Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.13. That phase of the rivalry is over. It was kind of over last year, but now you can definitively say that that's the past. And going forward, this will be a rivalry and not a one-sided execution. And I think that is the best possible thing you could feel this morning. different story about this game in my head halfway through you know this story was we didn't have Blake Corum you know Mike Morris was out Donovan Edwards had one hand and Michigan doesn't recruit at the level that you can just stampede through that because some of the story of the Ohio State dominance in the game is Michigan can't get a senior quarterback healthy to the game for about a decade and I felt like not having Blake Corum was worse than that like, other than not having Denard Robinson as a functional quarterback for his final year, that was the worst possible injury situation that Michigan could have had going into Ohio State game. And Ohio State, you know, they're down their top two running backs functionally, and they have that strange transfer from Arizona State, who Michigan wanted as a running back. And they we, played at linebacker all and year. They, they <laughs> or played him at linebacker. Or didn't really play. And he had yeah. one carry this year, and he comes off, and you're like, oh, yeah, he was close to an all-conference running back at Arizona State. And, you know, when their quarterbacks go down mm-hmm. in the game, Dwayne Haskins comes off the bench. <laughs> Jeez. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, Alan Bowman or Davis Warren. Right. It's Dwayne freaking Haskins. And so I had this story in my head of why Michigan was going to lose this game at halftime. You know, they're down three points. It feels like the first half of the Penn State game. They can't run the ball. Everything they get is just one big play. And it feels like Michigan is playing the role of Penn State. And then. That's what Alex said. This man does not listen to me. <clears throat> that man does not listen to me. Everybody said that. Nobody listened to Everybody me. Everybody on Twitter said that. Everybody on Twitter is like, this is exactly what that feels like, because that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. And <clears throat> Fair. Yeah. And then they're driving. Ohio State is driving. And Michigan's up 11. And I see it happening. I see the tight end breaking across, and I see him open, and I see the arc of the ball, and I just say out loud... Oh, no. And then Mike Sainer still is nothing recruit out of nowhere. Massachusetts just makes it up. <clears throat> so we got a different story. What did they said all year? It's a no star defense. Yeah. And Mike Morris is out. The one guy who's your star and you're paying, you're playing so light in the box. You're, mm-hmm. you're just like, we got six guys and they got six blockers. And we're going to try to make that work. And it doesn't quite work because they're grinding it down in the first half. But Alex had this team pegged. Because what is the one thing that you were telling us about Ohio State? Uh, that they like to throw the ball? No. <laughs> I mean, that, they, that, that's they, true. They, <laughs> in in, in <laughs> relation to the Iowa game, maybe. Uh, what happens when they start on their side of the field? What can't that your you brother have do? to make them drive the length of the field. And they did, this, they did that once in this game. Yep. They got the big play to, to Harrison for their one touchdown. 
You mean aside from the opening drive? Well, no, the, the, that's what the opening drive is the one time in this game when yeah. they had their scripted drive yeah. where they drove the length of the field and scored a touchdown. Yeah. And the rest of it, I mean, they could eat up yards, but we talked on this podcast, mm-hmm. I don't know, a month ago when Michigan was looking at their red zone issues. And Ohio State was having similar red zone issues. And what do we say? We said that their red zone issues were much more baked in than Michigan's. Right, because, well, they get to third and one or third and two, and they look to pass. Right. And they put, they put up a stat during the game where it was like, this is what was happening last year on third and short when you ran the ball, and Ohio State was like number one in the country or number one in the conference. And their conversion rate on short yardage on the ground this year was 58%, which is horrendous, just amazingly bad. And so you get in situations where it's third and three, and Michigan's dropping eight into coverage. And that's the right move. And they're trying to throw a wide receiver screen, and Braden McGregor is flying up because he's expecting a wide receiver screen. And that's just scouting, right? I mean, that's... I mean, but that's... That is scouting. They had him dead to rights. They but, do what they want to do a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in one way, I think we were not correct about this game in terms of advantage in the trenches. Because yeah. um, Ohio State did go with the three defensive tackle look, and that did slow Michigan down significantly. All of the quorum thing does uh, yeah, well, complicate It's, it's an incomplete they, because... They jumped into the box, too. And that was, the, I mean, yeah. that was their defensive program is that they always had an extra guy they they looked at the illinois film and said that's what michigan's gonna do yeah which is insane to me like how did did anyone did any michigan fan watch the illinois game and say oh man I, i'm so scared that we're gonna do the same thing against ohio state yeah i was i do you think we were gonna run on second and 14 against <laughs> well no cover but, zero but against like, ohio state but like the thing was is like make jj beat you that uh-huh. and we're like why does anyone want to make jj beat them and Ohio State was like, let's make J.J. beat us. And then he did. And then he mm-hmm. did. And that's a, that's a reasonable approach. Uh, well, especially considering the alternative, which is just getting ground into powder. Now, when Corum goes out, though, does that change it? And that's the interesting. Well, can you change your game plan based on, like, you've got to prepare for Blake Corum? Well, at some point, they started dropping their, or dropping their safeties back. They did. And they... they and then Michigan started running the ball. And the box got lighter in the second half, and that's mm-hmm. when Michigan started having success on the ground. It's not – I mean, the differential in the ground games in both halves, are, are it's just about numbers, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, Michigan was playing two deep safeties the whole game. They were making Ohio State drive the field and repeatedly exposing them to their third down issues. And when things got down in the red zone, they dialed it, they dialed it up a little bit. But really – I mean, they just rushed four, and they were like, we're going to drop seven, and we're going to cover, and we're going to see what you can do. Well, and the answer was not enough. Aside from the one play, but yes. Yeah. That I mean, they ended up biting him. Well, <laughs> yeah, blitzing from the safety level was probably not not ideal in that situation. Um, but so now we're here. Michigan has beaten Ohio State by 22 points, the same margin that they beat Michigan State with. And I remember last year after this game, just the gnashing of teeth and wailing and rending of garments from Ohio State people because they lost this game once. Yep. They lost it one time. And they were like, oh, and like, bro, you have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you can't be mad because you lost it one time in a decade. And then this offseason is all about like, well, we're going to prove that that's a fluke. We're going to prove that we're tougher and we're blah, blah, blah. And it was snowing. 
<laughs> we were sick. We were, yeah. <laughs> All you did was you proved that it was not a fluke. Right. And <coughs> so while, you know, pregame takes about Michigan just grinding them in the trenches were incorrect, it came at the huge cost of explosives. The first three explosives. Yeah. All three of those mm-hmm. are generated by Michigan's punishing ground game. Um, <clears throat> and they were able to man up on that side of the ball. And then they were able to run a little bit on the other side of the ball. But when it got to short yardage time, they had no faith in their ability to convert anything. And you can see why. Because what happened in that Northwestern game? They couldn't convert against Northwestern. And um, they went for it on multiple downs yeah. and got stuffed. Not yeah. even just like, oh, we didn't win the push. It was, we got stuffed in the backfield. And That's so, not who they are anymore. No. They're not JT Barrett. Where it's just like, oh, it's third and three. Why well, even bother playing this down? <laughs> I mean, right before the JT Barrett was short play everyone's like oh it's fourth and one oh no right, right. like they got the fourth and one and, and everyone every michigan fan's like well they're going to convert because there was a fourth and three at midfield at this game the jt barrett team doesn't even think about whether they're going to punt well the play call on third and three is probably different and they convert on that down so well it, it does i mean <laughs> i mean that's a different and that's they, a different. they have that fourth and two where they're like all right we're gonna delay our tight end out of the backfield and throw it 20 yards downfield they're going to try to be clever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's something that might happen. I mean, but, they got Jalen Harrell. Like, they got a defensive end ca- you know, on him, but Harrell but made a play. He played that really well. He's, he's in he contact. Did. Yeah. And he is – it's not like Colston Loveland, right, where it's just like, <laughs> punt it up. Jesus. Running away. Jesus Lord. Just make this a parabola. A parabola. Parab- parabola. Keeping that – a parabola to the heavens. And, 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 and you know, C.J. Stroud had to put that on a line. He had to throw that directly at his tight end a long way downfield. And if there's something that you can say that Ohio State is soft, that's where it shows up. On third and short, Ohio State is soft. And they're throwing the ball all around, and it's not working. Well, they're almost never in those situations. And, I mean, that's sort of what I, you're kind of figuring out as this goes along is – now you're in a game where you have to make not only these decisions, but be able to execute some of these, you know, NFL plays because you don't always get your big chunks yeah. against a good defense. Well, so two points I want to make there. One, we should categorize soft as in rel- relative to a football team because I'm sure all those players are harder than I am. Okay, but that's not... I'm not, com- <laughs> wanna, I'm not comparing yeah, them we're to not. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like... We, they're not taking on the MGO I don't want to just say... I, I will say... Ohio State is that soft. Ohio State podcasters are soft. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, they 11 they Warriors ever? is soft. They stopped tweeting, uh, right? Then they, they, they say Oh, we're going to stop tweeting. We got lots to think about. Billy Ray Cyrus-ass blog... <laughs> One, one of them's like, it's 1996 again. I'm like, no, it's 1997. So <laughs> uh, the, sec- the okay, second yeah, thing I want to bring up point. was something you said, that w- if you watch games on Sunday, that's what they do on fourth down. They're going to punt on fourth and three, or they have passes because they have very well-developed passing games. They have quarterbacks who know exactly where the leverage is. It's they the NFL. Have, yeah, that's the NFL. And that's what Ohio State, when you break it down, what is Ohio State? They're a, an NFL feeder school. They run a professional program. You get professional coaching. You get treated like a professional. And then you go out there and they play. And Ryan Day has very NFL concepts. And so the thing that trickles through in that is that Ohio State's dominance in this rivalry over the past – 15, 20 years is because they were always ahead of Michigan in the metagame. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they first sort of broke through. Troy Smith. Yeah. Troy Smith comes into that Michigan game, and he's nobody. 2005. And we have Chris Graham at Sam. Right. And, and you know. <laughs> Covering Anthony Gonzalez in the slot. Right. And, and so Michigan is real slow to adapt to anything re- regarding spread stuff. And they have this section of the rivalry where it's, you know, JT Barrett and, and mm-hmm. Troy Smith. And Braxton and Miller. Braxton Miller and Tra- Terrell, Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor. Yeah. And they just can't handle it. Like there were also some pretty bad Michigan teams in there, and also some pretty good Michigan performances. Yeah, when like the meta game. But so was you have this. A little bit. You have this like ver- variety yeah. of performances and teams, but Michigan is always playing from behind because Ohio State is kind of on the cutting edge of college football on offense. On offense, yeah. mm-hmm. and then Harbaugh brings in Don Brown, and they have that game in the shoe mm-hmm. where it's like you know what was a seventeen seventeen going into overtime. Yep. Like that—that that was the best Michigan defensive performance against Ohio State in a million years, and that's because it's Don Brown versus JT Barrett. Yeah. Right? And once JT Barrett is gone, and it's Dwayne Haskins' time, well, we saw what happened there. Right. So it happened in the middle of a game. Yeah. It happened in the middle because they had them in 2007. Right. And then Michigan enters the next year as the number one defense in the so. nation. Yeah. And they get absolutely shredded because again they're behind the meta. Because Ohio State is like, okay, now we're an NFL passing game, and we're going up against a team that just runs cover one man. And that was great when they couldn't rely on their quarterback or their wide receivers to be precision instruments of destruction because they were mostly a power option team. And Don Brown gets nuked a couple of times. And so Michigan's like, all right, we got to go back to the board. we got an NFL we're facing an NFL offense. Who We're, stops NFL offenses? The Baltimore Ravens. NFL <laughs> defensive coordinators, and that's yeah. who the last two guys they got are. And on the other side of the ball, you know, Michigan redoubles down on man ball, except they actually run it. And mm-hmm. it's not like Hoke or Carr. Like, they actually have the most effective, brutal rushing game in America. And things come in and out of style, right? And you see this with Georgia, too. I, I, I saw a tweet this year, <clears throat> I think it was last week, where someone was looking at the biggest gap in rankings between explosive rate and success rate. Mm-hmm. And so who had the highest success rate and lowest explosive rate? Do you know who number one on that list was? Michigan? No. Michigan was two. Georgia, Georgia. Georgia was number one. Okay. Yeah. So what does Georgia have? Georgia has... Tight ends yeah. coming out their ears. Running backs. And so you've got these two teams that are moving away from spread all the time. They're modern. You know, Michigan runs as quarterback. They have a lot of three wide sets. They're not just a man ball team. It's not just line up and slam into them. Right. This they, is, they're, they're, have, there, are, there are things that they run off of that stuff. They have options. Right. They have different things that they can do. They have tweaks that they run with their run game. They do things that are extremely difficult to prepare for because the rest of college football is like, oh, we got to spread it out and run these formations. And they're not just not seeing it on game day. They're not seeing it down to down. And what Michigan can do with their offense is they can simulate Ohio State, right? Mm-hmm. They got, they're not quite Ohio State, but they can put three, three wide out there with one tight end and pass the ball around. Can Ohio State really simulate Michigan's offense? <laughs> 
I mean, they. I mean, we saw. They have, yeah, but they can't get tight ends because they, until this year they didn't throw them, and they only threw them when they were open. Well, until, except the fourth and two. We <laughs> saw Illinois. They need like, to hire Burke. Illinois. Oh no! Illinois could stop prep giving them answers. <laughs> and and they they were one or two Blake Corum insane runs away from really shutting Michigan down. So I think that's another example of a team that's sort of leaving the current spread meta and and reasserting themselves as a power team. So <clears throat> for the first time in a real long time, it feels like Michigan is a little ahead of Ohio State tactically. And that's not going to be static, but for, for for years right now, for years it was always like can we catch up to Ohio State? And now that's flipped. Cuz yeah, you can put 700 guys in the box and you can rely on your safety to clean up the messes. And then you put them in the box too. <laughs> Cuz that's what Illinois did. They never, well, that's not true. They very rarely deviated from having a huge deep safety at 15 to 20 yards. And Michigan got some big plays, but they were 30 yards. They were 40 yards because that safety cleaned it up. And this game, Ohio State didn't have that guy back there. And then when Cornelius Johnson breaks Mm -hmm. for 69 yards, someone's coming on the screen, and I'm like, oh, crap. And it's Roman Roman Wilson. Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could see the closest person to Cornelius as he's running on the Ohio State side is Jack Sawyer. Their edge, yeah. they drop into coverage. He's the guy who gets the, <laughs> the tackle attempt. Yeah. So if last year was a situation where it's like, well, that was nice. I don't know if that can happen again. Because what was the overarching story of Ohio State's season last year? That they the, – the, basically the, what we just talked about. Kerry Coombs. Co- yeah. Their linebackers. Well, the – Oh, well, is it, they hired an incompetent defensive yeah. coordinator. They got halfway through the season. They f- functionally fired him. And then Michigan comes into this game, and they're able to exploit the gaps in a defensive approach that was patched together midseason. And so you go get Jim Knowles, who's a longtime defensive coordinator, who really improves their defense, and they're like, okay. He was supposed to be their Don Brown. He was supposed to change the meta-narrative again. Right. And... So you go into this game, and it's like, okay, this is a very competent outfit. We can't this – is, this is not the one-off bad hire. This is a good hire. It's, a, it's working. And for Michigan to be able to do what they did against that resets a whole lot. So right, we're moving into a new era of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. And it's not going to be John Cooper. Uh, Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gonna, I mean, he has to go one and we'll eight get, and one if he wants to be John Cooper. We'll get, in, we'll get into Ryan Day a little bit. But I don't think it's going to be like that. But I do think that we're looking at something close to parity. And I think we're not going to need to wait another 18 years for football Armageddon 3. No. Because this league yeah. sucks butt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're adding USC and UCLA, but the point That's stands. true. Yeah. That's true. But they'll be in the other division. Although well, we're def- we, don't, we don't really know what that's yeah. going to well, like. We're definitely going to get. We get one more year, right? Showcase, showcase, showcase. Well, though, they whenever they add somebody to the Big Ten, the first game is always like against Michigan. But, like, but they did I the mean, '90s with Penn State. They did it with Rutgers and Maryland. Like, but I mean, Nebraska those, got a series with us right away. Those games don't start till '24. Yeah, but so it's one year away. Yeah, so I feel like this is a paradigm shifter. This game going into Columbus without your best defensive player, without your best offensive player, and doing this to Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy emerging and finally hitting a deep ball. But that's what it was. And so 
that's the interesting part of the narrative is you talk about how Ohio State adjusted what they've normally done to stop Michigan, and it worked. And so what does Michigan have to do? Well, they can't run the ball into a stacked box. They have to be able to throw the ball, something that we've debated up and down all year. He's been McCarthy's been good. He's also missed shots. Where does that land? Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. And he hit the shots. And yeah. and that's what you do when they stack when you stack boxes. Is you get your opportunities, can you hit them? Michigan did, and that's why they won. All right. This was our vibe segment. We got a little bit into the offense and the defense, but we're gonna take a break, come back and, and really dig into what Michigan did on offense in this game. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence.
Hey folks, sorry for the unusual start. We had a bit of an issue with this podcast because we were so excited about the Ohio State game that we sort of forgot something. And that is to talk about our sponsors. <laughs> so we went this entire first segment without actually doing this. And it's midnight now. And this has just been revealed. So... We'd like to thank Underground Printing for making this all possible. UGP makes custom apparel such as t-shirts and sweatshirts and was founded by two Michigan alums over 20 years ago. They have three retail locations in Ann Arbor and offer thousands of University of Michigan athletic products for sale, ranging from clothing to accessories and memorabilia. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts at the MGOblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associates... We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshire Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by Forum, where we recorded this earlier today, and Ticket IQ. Now, we're just some guys on the internet, and most of these companies that sponsor us are basically the same in their field, and we really appreciate the fact that they allowed this to happen, and I think you should patronize their businesses. Go Blue. All right, so we've kind of sketched the outlines here. Ohio State comes in, three defensive tackles. They saw what Illinois did. They're like, if we put two guys out there, they're going to get mauled. And so they stuff Michigan up in the first half. You do have that drive after Corum goes out where Stokes gets a couple of carries. And pretty much every like i was moaning to myself and then i hop in and i see sam webb is saying the same thing on twitter where it's like oh my god what if quorum got that mm-hmm. and they pull stokes because it's just like the moment is too big for him he's not downshifting he's not allowing it to develop and then hitting the holes and so they bring in donovan edwards it's still not working and it's not working because this is an extraordinarily aggressive defensive approach and so you're stuck you're not doing anything they send seven across the line on third and nine. JJ gets a back foot throw off to Cornelius Johnson, and that's like <laughs> to get it there, Man, one. Yeah. To get it there in time for there to be any chance of breaking a tackle. I mean, I mean, just at that point, we just wanted a first down. I yeah. thought he was just throwing it away. I thought, like when I saw him ha- hacking back to chuck it, I'm like, okay, he's just going to throw it into the sideline here. And then like Cornelius Johnson gets it. Does he get it? Short of the first down? Yeah, he's one yard short but of it, sticks. But he kind of plays it short. Like, he catches it and comes back like he's setting up the move to the outside. Well, yeah, yeah, he spins outside and 26 falls off. You got you got to transfer. Cam Brown. You got to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Brown one of the guys that was in some of the stuff in the yeah, South yeah. last I, year? We, we don't need to get too deep into this, but I went on the 11 Warriors board. <laughs> and they're, like, not even the worst message board for Ohio State. They're probably the best message board. And they are brutal. Oh, yeah. cornerbacks right now. I mean, I remember... Like, hateful. I remember Damon Arnett was, like, a sophomore or a junior or something, and there was one Ohio State... It was a miserable Ohio State game uh, Michigan was playing, and, and they got a couple completions on Arnett, and there were Ohio State fans around me who were just like, Oh, Arnett! <laughs> and it was just like, you guys are the most miserable fucks in the universe. <laughs> like, good God. Um, in any case... So, you want to know about the Cornelius Johnson catch and run that's interesting that same play happened in penn state ohio state same exact play they send seven uh-huh. throw to the sideline corners blow the tackle no safety deep catch and run for like 55 yards in that game same exact play mm-hmm. well i mean 
part of the reason why they're so big, being so brutal, a corner, poor cornerback. But, but yeah, may, but maybe Michigan saw that too, and it's like in and we know when they like to go cover zero, and we're gonna call something that puts a clear one-on-one situation, and then say, hey, you want your moment of the year? Go make a play on this play. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that. I don't have to take a bunch of shit for my preseason Cornelius Johnson takes. <laughs> he like <laughs> he's got to come back to level, maybe a little above. He had a yeah, you plays. made that one. You made up a lot of ground in yeah. this. Game. I mean, <laughs> Ryan's like in the floor. I, I was like, like peeking up again, like well, that take was going to be in one of the all timers, and the now sev- it's actually the seventy-five yard touchdown. I was like really happy that it was a touchdown, but it was also like my takes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But so on the 75-yard touchdown, you get motion that pulls the corner off, mm-hmm. and you get one-on-one with the safety who's like, oh, now I got Cornelius Johnson in the slot. He sells it out. He gets the guy to go around 360, and there's nobody deep. Yeah. It's zero again. Yeah. I, I want to point out something, though. Michigan this year, uh, in those situations, even against zero, they have not had – options on those routes and it was kind of a thing that we got annoyed about through the year that like how can you don't just have a, a go option on that when like the guy's not there that particular one i don't i think it was both options were inside so it doesn't matter but the loveland one was definitely a go option and there were a couple of those that i saw during this game that maybe you know they didn't throw all of them but like that was programmed into this game i thought and maybe set up this year by not really showing that all year and then being like okay McCarthy has an arm. Well, they, I mean, they, sh- and if they're they playing, tried it's about it. leverage. It's not like they tr- didn't try to hit some deep balls, right? Like they were all over the place. But I, Michigan tried to hit deep balls all year. I know, but, but what, yeah. what we saw in this game was we finally saw McCarthy put enough arc on everything. Mm-hmm. So that Loveland one, he, he holds Loveland up a little bit. He holds Cornelius Johnson up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And those are open enough so that it doesn't matter. And then on the one where they get the pass interference. Mm-hmm. You know, Which he could have the the deep ball to Cornelius okay. Johnson. Yeah. Or Ranth well Ranth not Larantham. Ransom. 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 Lathan Ransom. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Runs him over. That's another one where yeah, he could have tried to make that perfect. Like mm-hmm. he could have and it maybe it's perfect. But he hung he hang he hangs it up, he gives Cornelius Johnson a, a chance and then the guy gets run over. Something else we've been saying. All year. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't just say this year. But it's been a, that has been a Throw it to Nico. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, uh, <laughs> but specifically in relation to, to McCarthy, yeah. I think they were like, We're gonna get open deep shots. We know what Cornelius Johnson can do with his routes. We know what we have in Colston Loveland. We need to make them pay. Right? We need to make these if they're gonna be in the box. And, and stuff the run and, and take all that away, then you're not an efficient offense anymore. You're an explosive offense because you have to be because you're not going to be. I mean, they're Ohio State. Like, weren't I mean, people are saying that. Like, Michigan became Ohio State yesterday because they co- weren't really going to be able to move the ball down the field with consistency. They were going to have to get their big plays, and that's what kept them in the game until Ohio State said, oh, well, that isn't work. That isn't working. We're now 0 for 3, so now we have to drop a safety back. Then Michigan went back to their offense of running the ball with Edwards, had a couple nice runs. They brought in the quarterback run game out in the second half, yeah. and he and J.J. made, I think, one uh, design one and then one really nice scramble. He had a scramble, and he had two or three design ones, one of which was 19 yards, one of which was five, five or for something. a first down. And, and one that got kind of stuffed because I think uh, Loveland didn't get much of a... Yeah. Block. So, but then they became 
who they were again because Ohio State gave them those looks, and that's when they got the J.J. touchdown drive that didn't end the game but kind of ended the game. I mean, 15 plays. Yeah. Eight minutes. Mm -hmm. Third quarter, you're up four already, and you're... Well, and that was the the Mullings throw that was like... So from my view in the stadium, I couldn't see that they'd handed it off. So I could see the tight end breaking, and I could see then the ball go up. And I was like, oh my God, that's a touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) And then Schoonmaker is underneath it like a center fielder just waiting for the Mm -hmm. ball to come down. And then he gets tackled, and I was just like, they have to score on this drive because they just gave away points. And then later, I realized, oh... That was thrown by a linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then one of the key plays on that drive is his third and 11, and J.J. gets pressure, and he just heaves it up. And somehow that heave is pretty much right at Ronnie Bell. Mm-hmm. And is it catchable? I don't know, but he gets a finger on it. So Alex has a take on this. I was pretty firm that it was not catchable. But he literally touches the ball. He touches the ball, but... It's like off the top of his fingers. I know, but so what? That's catchable. So like, and he's being there's, interfered with. There's like catchable in like my he's, charting. He's leaping up. Yeah, and his arms are up in the air. Yeah. and it still just barely touches his fingers. But it's catchable if you're Calvin Johnson. Uh huh. But the 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 uh, the breadth of discretion that refs have for so uncatchable. This is, this is the thing. It was based on the way referees call it. Absolutely the correct call. Yeah. Based on the way I would like to see them call it, not the correct. Call. <laughs> That's uh, you can't do that. Can't do that. Yeah, because you know the, he's being interfered with, which actually affects how high he can get up. Yeah, he's he's jumping up, and like if there's nobody there, can he like tap it to himself? You have to assume as a referee that the player, because the player has to have. Room Everybody's got to be Calvin Johnson if you're the ref. Yeah, you can't you can't be like oh well. You I mean, know, I, that look, guy's look. I that guy's Jeremy Gallon. Well, Jeremy Gallon can it. jump. <laughs> I wasn't complaining when they enforced it. I mean, I. I was yeah. <laughs> well. They started talking, and I was sitting there, and I was just like, "Please enforce this! Please enforce this! <laughs> Fall for the trap! Fall for the Fall trap!" For... <laughs> I mean, he literally touched the ball. You can't. Yeah. Here's can't not. here's another point about that. They, they didn't show it very well on TV, but he he actually was wide open in the end zone. JJ couldn't get to him right, right because he had pressure. Yeah. And he has to like back out and throw it, but like. Well, that's why the defensive back is in panic mode. Right. Right. And that's. And I think that's always part of it. When they call interference, part of it is like, did the offense win this down or did the defense win this down? And like at that point, the guy was in panic mode, running back, not looking for the ball, yeah. and then hits Ronnie I mean, Bell on his close. way up. Yeah, it's not yeah. Even close. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's pass interference. But for, for J.J. to be able to get that ball to Bell enough, and you can see him after that flag comes out, and I mean, he is fist pumping because he's like, yeah, hmm. yes, they, I, they cut I did a thing. And then... So they get have a couple issues on on second, first and second and goal, and then they go back to QB run like they did against Michigan. QB State. down G. I think that was just a stretch, actually. Um, really? Yeah. Well, so what, what happens is JJ sees the way OSU is aligning. He gets up to the line of scrimmage and he taps them, and he's like, "We're going now." Mm-hmm. And because they have a huge gap between, I mean, they're not really in a goal line formation. No, they got nobody from, like, the A gap to the D gap. Well, right. it was it was like, on the four, right? It's on the three. I thought they, they lost, lost a they, they, oh, lost they a, got the two and two they lost, and they lost a yard. yard. So yeah. it's on the three, it's third and goal, and you're leaving that gap in your line? I, Against this running team? But, <laughs> but, but J.J. sees it, yeah. and he's yeah. like, they're not going to, we got to go now. Yeah. 
Uh, and so they, they're able to do that, and then he runs through a safety for, for the touchdown. And we were talking about this earlier in the year in the podcast. You don't have time for a mesh point in, yeah. the, in the low red zone. If you're going to use QB run, you just got to use QB run. So you get QB stretch in the run game like they had against Nebraska. And that concludes your 15-play tempo reset drive. So one thing we have to point out on this drive, going back to the DPI thing, right before that, second and 11 from the 15 or whatever it was, J.J. is in massive trouble. And if Cade is in the, the pocket there, he's sacked. And Michigan is toast on that drive. Mm-hmm. J.J. does the Caleb Williams thing. He runs straight backwards. He evades pressure. He rolls to the side, and he throws it away. Mm-hmm. And that saved them the chance to then get point, you know, a touchdown on that drive. Yeah, and this is a thing that we've seen him change a little bit because earlier in the season he was flipping around in, in like Devin Gardner-ish dangerous ways <laughs> and now he's giving ground and getting the corner because he's fast enough to do that. We saw that happen a couple times in this game. Yeah, he bailed pockets three or four times and I mean one of them, we didn't even get to this throw, but it was like I think it was his second throw of the game where he bails to his offside and has Ronnie Bell for a touchdown and is a little short, but like just to be able to get out of there and then away and turn his body and get it downfield. I mean, like, I, tur- I turned to somebody, I don't know how many times, and was like, well, if Cade's playing quarterback, like, this this play's already over. Yeah. And this, this is the J.J. upside that we, I mean, we've seen it, obviously, last year and this year and all of that. But it was the play against Georgia in the playoff game where they're completely blown out of the game. The guy comes off the edge, has J.J. dead to rights, and he back heels and spins the opposite way and loses the Georgia defender and completes a pass. And, you're, and I mean, that was the m- moment that the light bulb went off for me and it was like, all right, if you want to win the Big Ten, fine. You want to try to beat Ohio State, okay. You want to win a national title or you want to play in playoff games? This is the guy. Mm-hmm. It, those are the plays. You watch the NFL enough, now that's who every quarterback is. I, Any quarterback that is leading a good team can do that. I mean, very few NFL quarterbacks are going to bowl their way past the first down and then get another eight yards through contact. That was, And then not even get tackled at the end of that. Well, yeah. <laughs> but that's why Ohio State safeties don't play in the NFL. <clears throat> not yeah. these guys. Yeah. So, And then you get, after the tempo drive... They get the field goal. You're out there. And what does Ohio State do? They put out a three-man line. They put out a nose tackle and two defensive ends. And Michigan's just looking at this like, okay, what? (laughs) (laughs) So there's a huge gap between the nose and the end. And then Mm -hmm. the the nose tackle is gone. He's like, I'm slanting over 45 gaps. And (laughs) it's a lot of gaps. Olu Olu Atimi is just like, Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, that's not my problem anymore. Let's find a linebacker. And he finds a linebacker, and they're in man coverage, and the cornerback gets run off, and then Zinter kicks out uh, another linebacker. They didn't even have to block a defensive tackle or defensive end to get Donovan Edwards' his 75-yard touchdown. Great recognition, Oluwatimi. I, I only regret the fact that I do not get to chart him for another year because – I mean, I have charted a lot of Michigan centers, uh-huh. and he's my favorite. Like, <laughs> is he is he better than Senior Mulk? Uh yeah, because Senior Mulk super fast, super smart, doesn't like bring the load, right? Mm-hmm. And then Caesar Ruiz is really the only other competition, and I think Olawatimi is more athletic than Caesar Ruiz. Oh, he's also two years older than him, so Ruiz, if he's right. stuck around, probably yeah. That's this level. true. That's yeah. true. Ooh. 
And he's, I mean, I think within his second year, he was starting for the Saints. So yeah, yeah. So those those two guys, and both super smart. Just, I mean, I can't tell you how many Olawatimi blocks it's been. Like, oh my god, I can't believe he saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of just complete busts Michigan has on the offensive line being close to zero, he's a huge part of that. So give that man his Remington. <laughs> and then on the second one, there's a, I think Brad Galley, who's a TV guy, uh, was on the field. And so he's got the Ed's end zone shot. And so on the second one, you can see Zinter chip mm-hmm. one of their defensive tackles. And then go get a linebacker. On and the then go side. get a linebacker. And when he chips that defensive tackle, he moves. And Olu's picking it up, and that guy is trying to fight back to that gap because that's his gap. That's that's Taron Vincent, who was, by the way, like a top 10 overall recruit. Yep. That's that's his gap. And then Vincent is able to get back. He's able to get his arm in there, but Edwards just runs through it. And Zin, that's – I, I, I got to tell you, if that's not the block of the year, I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I, I figured the second that it happened, that's what it was going to be because I, I – I, I think I retweeted that one too and just yeah. took, took a photo. The other thing about that play is two guys on the outside are checking McCarthy. So, like, they, yes. they're blitzing. They're supposed to, I mean, one of them's obviously supposed to go for the running back, but I don't think he has a chance to get to him anyway. But he slows up. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And so, again, we, 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 we harp on this. <laughs> like, this is a hobby horse for the MGO Blog podcast. But when your quarterback is involved in your run game, you get explosives. And so that guy mm-hmm. is tearing off the edge. If he goes for Edwards, he's got a shot. You know, he might get an ankle tackle and he might get Edwards down for three or five yards. And then everybody's like, oh, because mm-hmm. it almost happened. Yeah. But on that mesh point, he's like, oh, what if JJ's got? And that's enough. And it's gone. So I was pretty frustrated in the first half that nothing is really happening with their offense and they didn't have any QB run game. And then they bring it out in the second half. And they don't have to bring out a lot of it. They just have to bring out a little. And it just deforms everything that you're able to do. Well, and, and they're just selling out. I mean, you ask where were the safeties on that play? That's where the safeties were. Well, on I, mean, that play. Was, I mean, you that's you. It's third and three. It's third and three, but it's third and three. Ohio yeah. State's convinced that Michigan's third and three play is going to be a JJ keeper, or it's it's part of their thought process because they're mm-hmm. plus two in the box, right? And yeah. then they spend a guy on JJ, and then one guy hesitates, and it's like, well, those that's your plus two, mm-hmm. and now we're man up, and you got to win a block, and they don't. And see ya. So, I'm. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to uh, to get that sort of validation for the offensive line, I love that both those plays go between Olu and Zinter. Yeah. Because um, those guys have really been the rocks. Hayes too, but I mean, he's missed a few games, and he's uh, Keegan. Keegan's he's, been in and out of the lineup. He's, he's missed Hayes, games. Hayes, Hayes, Hayes missed, missed one game. Yeah, he missed. Yeah, yeah he missed a game. But okay. like, he's uh, also he's just a tackle, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no. Not, no disrespect. He's just to, a tackle. No, no disrespect to left tackle. It's not like Michigan went a long time no, no, without Michigan having tackles. Michigan doesn't make their offense out of him. But right. last year they ran off a of stupor most of the time, and this year it's that's the gap that they like. Yeah, and like the identity of this team is Olu and Zinter duo and responses to that. And what are you going to do about it? Well, isn't that what JJ said in his post-game interviews? We're Smash Mouth team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those guys are the <laughs> smashiest of all mouths. And the other cool thing is, like, you know, we, we've, we've mentioned all year about how, like, Michigan's in on these wide receivers and then, like, they don't have to throw the ball and so are like, oh, now we're not going to get any wide receivers anymore. And it's kind of like now you can go to them and say, hey, this is what we do. When other teams want to stop us, they are going to 
come down in the box. You're going to get single. Then we're going to turn you loose, and you're going to get four touchdowns against Ohio State. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you may not get touchdowns against Indiana or Northwestern, but you may get the touchdowns that ever that are going to be played replayed on the video board on entrance videos because you got them in the game that matters. And then you get to go out in the ice on Yoast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, and the thing is, is like nobody did this. Illinois was really the first team Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, we're going to be plus one in the box the whole day. What are you going to do about it? Well, who? I mean. I think I asked you guys this last week, and you said that Nebraska tried, but they weren't good enough. And so isn't that probably the case? Well, Nebraska's defensive tackles are just so bad. Yeah. But they they didn't put three of them out there, really, very much. But how many college football teams, especially Big Ten teams, have three reliable, good defensive I mean, tackles? Th- the, this was kind of—I mean, there are, there are things in the Nebraska game that definitely— um, were relevant in this one because what Ohio State wanted to do was surprise you as to who's in what gap. And, you know, we go back to the metagame here, and part of the metagame for Michigan is our offensive linemen are so smart that if you are going to screw with us, right, if you're going to have a defensive tackle line up over here, he's going to go in that gap over there, and the linebacker is going to flip out over here, and your guard is going to have to recognize that, chip, and then get to the other side and get a linebacker. That's hard to do. That, that takes a lot of intelligence as well as the power to do that. And that was Ohio State's defense. If they want to play it this way, this was my preseason. My, this was the reason why I was like, Michigan's going to be able to run on them. I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, 275-yard runs and a bunch of nothings. But, like, I, the reason why I thought Michigan was going to be able to crack them for chunks was because that's how they play. And that's kind of what Nebraska does, too, is they try to surprise you. And if Michigan's got these super smart offensive linemen and they're just churning through and you don't play until you're a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, and you've got you know, a center who, can, who knows what he's doing, and that, that's how you beat that. Because like, if you can't fool Zinter, now you've got a linebacker instead of a defensive tackle in the key gap that you need to be defending. Well, and, and things did loosen up even before the – Big Edwards runs. Yeah, because the they took a, but that was a lot of them taking a guy out of the box. It was. Yeah, but they had to because Mich- because Michigan killed them over the top. Yeah, well, you had. I mean, they finally. I don't know if we want to jump to the receivers right now, but they finally activated Cornelius Johnson as a route runner. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Saving Brian's <Stinks. laughs> I, I mean, I get maybe it was just really important to them to like ruin your take all season, and like this, they're like, okay, well, I have to all is forgiven. <laughs> but that was a, that was a real frustration much of the year. Is that like, well, I mean, he got open a couple of times, and then they just missed him. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like well, there's a different context in which Cornelius Johnson is doing this all year because he has to, but mm-hmm. they but didn't. They didn't have to, and so that's why Michigan didn't have to do anything schematically really until this game. It is possible that. They should have because Quorum took a pounding this season and then yeah. he wasn't available for the game. Mm-hmm. And like, wasn't that a little fluky? It might be. I mean, he took a helmet to the knee and, and you can't coach scared about someone getting hurt. But when you've got 29 carries for Blake Quorum against Nebraska, it's like, well, I mean, I think part of that was the fact that Edwards was hurt. Otherwise he gets a bunch. That's of, true. But, and, and then, and their next running back, <sighs> fumbled and then he didn't play for a month and he's a true freshman. I know. You didn't need Quorum to beat Nebraska. Right. And if you'd opened up the passing game a little bit more in that game, he takes fewer hits, maybe he gets to the game 
healthy. I don't know. Maybe, except mm-hmm. the injury came against Illinois. I know, but what I'm saying is is that... If he doesn't step out, maybe, that drive? <laughs> you put... I mean, it is a risk. So if, you, if you're balancing out your touches a little bit more, any one player going down is a little bit less of a problem. This is my argument why Ronnie Bell shouldn't have been returning punts all year, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah. He's you mean pre- this year? This year, yeah. Not last year. Well, he... I understand why he shouldn't have been returning punts last year. Well, th- maybe they didn't have anyone. Maybe they didn't know if they well, didn't have anyone. He was hurt. <laughs> well, he <laughs> got hurt true. doing it. Yeah, that's true. So if AJ Henning gets hurt on a punt, you're much less. No offense, AJ Henning. In but a yeah. hole. <laughs> yeah. Just because you're spreading out, like who's getting the touches and all yeah. that stuff. But in any case, um, <clears throat> I mean, they they wanted to get train him for their extra back, and they yeah. they did stink it that guy, and then Mullings was needed on linebacker. What so. a weird. I mean, that guy can play. Yeah, he was two, their best back. He's two. I mean, Mayan Williams. How do you have four? Didn't they have a guy last week that ran for like 130? Yeah, but if you look at that film, it's just all Ty Isaac stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like these gaps are wide Massive. open. Massive. Yeah. He was. He wasn't touched on any of those runs until he. Went and like down. he's going in the right spot, but it is like, yeah, he's just a guy. Maybe <clears throat> he's a true freshman. He might, you know, he might be a thing later on. But right, like, yeah, 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 but. You know, Ohio State had they had Mayan Williams. He looked pretty functional in this game. I mean, but he was, if he's not going, he's, he can't be full bore because otherwise he would have been. So yeah. the interesting thing about him is, like, if he doesn't play, do they convert any of those third downs or third, or second, third, fourth downs or whatever that they that they used him on? Because I mean, that was his thing, right? Is he ran through a couple of tackles and saved uh, parts of I, drives? I don't know because well, Trainum was actually getting them those yards anyway. Yeah, he's a big. He's a big boy. Does Trayvon yeah. Henderson get those? I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. does he go the right direction? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's just been hurt or if he's been exposed as just a guy, Mike Shaw. But bounce, 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 mm-hmm. bounce. <laughs> I mean, so do you want to do you want to talk about the Mullings? Sure. Play it all. I mean, like, I mean, so this is clearly like set up, right? By the they they give it to him in wedge on third and one at their own thirty four. Well, this time they put a fullback out there, so now they're like showing that they're going to do ISO. They had a they had it for quorum. It was supposed to be quorum, right? And mm-hmm. and so and then he Mullings, auditions. I think Harbaugh says he auditions. Yeah, he he threw it the best this week in practice, mm-hmm. and so he got moved to running back to run a dive because of that. Yes. So they did all of that. To set up his yes, yeah, punt pass. Uh-huh. I'm surprised they didn't do it with Michael Barrett. Well, wow. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Is that more of a tip or no? I don't know. Because I mean, Barrett is—he was a high school quarterback who yeah. was a pretty. He also mm-hmm. threw a fake punt to Dax Hill. Maybe it was. Yeah, maybe it's more of a tip. Maybe it's like, okay, they're not going to guess us doing not, linebacker. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Barrett. Wait a minute, that's weird. Something weird's going on. Now yeah. they're bringing in. But 20. they ran him on a four. They ran him on a third and one already. So they showed their hand at first. They're like, okay, yeah. here's our big back. Yeah, and, and they brought him in again. When Quorum's out, and like that made sense. And then they brought him in again, and Ohio State's just selling out, and it's like they're like, all right, they're, they don't, they don't think that they have a running back that can get the yards, yeah. so they're bringing in Beefcakes. He ran it. We got him last time. I guess they're going to try it again, because this is who they are. Yeah. Well, he, he also, I mean, he has to jump up in the air to throw that pass, <laughs> and that's one thing Michigan can't backwards. sim, is that, like, Ohio State's defensive linemen, especially the ends, are both six 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 seven, yeah. And so, like, he had to, like, put it up just to, like, you know, get that. That, that was a guard trying to shoot over Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that was Schoonmaker's only catch. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Just sitting there. 
You're just like, ah. yeah, he's just like, please come down. It's please like floating like a leaf. Get here before these guys do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's on the, the huge tempo drive where it's just like, we'll have this in the game theory segment, but like one, one team was playing to win this game and one team was not. Yep. And uh, Michigan was the team playing to win. So, I mean, there's not a ton else about like the receivers. I mean, guys well, had we, nice we catches. We haven't really talked about Colston Loveland. Because okay. we had, I had been saying this for two you, weeks. You had said that he he's that, that he's now he's a now player because you see that that turn up against uh, Nebraska mm-hmm. where he's running it out and then there's no replay of this, so I don't you don't actually get to see it happen. And then he's got four yards of separation from a safety, and you're like, how did that happen? And he did that in this game too. And Colson Loveland is not just a tight end. Right, well, he was a wide receiver in high school. Yeah, he was right. a wide receiver two years ago. They converted him to a, a tight end his senior year. So, but in Idaho, but they're guys who you convert to, to tight ends, and they're just tight ends. Uh-huh. Like Eric All is just a tight end. He's a very good tight end. He's a good receiving tight end. But you're not going to split him out wide and get the same kind of separation downfield that Colson Loveland can get. He is in that Bowers Notre yes. Dame infinite tight end factory. He's Michael he, Meyer. He, I mean, there's been 700 of them. And I've always like, I've always <laughs> openly coveted Notre Dame yeah. tight ends. We were just naming some guys. Do you think on you or Friday Jim Harbaugh podcast? has more? Well, so I mean, Harbaugh had these guys at Stanford, right? He had guys who yeah. went to the NFL because they came out and they blocked like tight ends and they caught like wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And with all due respect to everybody else who's ever played tight end for, for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, this is the first guy who I really feel is going to be in that first-round contention. Well, he's got – so Butt was a great route runner. Yes. And and that made him really hard to stop because they could run option routes with him and all day. He, and he was really good at getting yeah. high-pointing balls. Yeah. He was not the guy who was just going to out-athlete somebody right. and he, run away from you. Yeah, he's not going to score a 45-yard touchdown against an Ohio State safety. Yeah. Where – He's so open that, that it can be underthrown. That it can be well, deliberately I mean, underthrown. He runs into Cornelius and then Johnson. Still score a touchdown. He runs into Cornelius Johnson in that one, and that was what I was talking about earlier. That like they have an option, uh, an option up, right? Where you you don't the the play is probably him out because otherwise that doesn't make the route combination with Cornelius Johnson doesn't make sense. But you have an option if the guy is going to jump the route to turn that up and go downfield, and to give a true freshman an option route like that where you have to read the cornerback and, and make a decision that your quarterback has to see as well that is some technical stuff i mean so in this game is he an upgrade of eric all uh, in this game and and in this context you have to say so you have to factor in eric all as a blocker because he was the guy they ran off of all last year sure so i don't know and that's saying but have, something. But they have Schoonmaker. Mm-hmm. Have and that's sort of my point, is like now you have two different kinds of tight ends. Yeah. Well, we've heard that Eric All will return next year. So, mm-hmm. so you there get all, you go. You got and Loveland. Loveland. And then they have Bredesen, and mm-hmm. they have like the 17 other guys that are also Hibner there. Hibner and Klein. Yeah. And, and Klein, like, I forgot about him. Hans, I, well, I, we haven't seen Hans. I don't think we're going to see some of those guys. Some of them well, have to leave. Like, there's too many dudes. No, they, they, <laughs> they got to they learn how to play They first. played yeah. four this year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I played four times. Who are we, the Bears? Actually, they played five. Oh, my yeah. goodness. They played five tight ends this year. Yeah, well, because all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't want, we won't want to get ahead of ourselves talking about next year. No. But, I mean, 
Colson Loveland is going to be a monster. But this is sort of like what we're talking about when you said before Michigan's a little bit ahead right now ahead of Ohio State in like the meta is it's and they're also holding their own personnel wise. Like this isn't like, oh, this is our generational oh, well, we have Hassan Haskins, and so that's why we won the game, but next year we're not, we're not sure we're going to do it at running back. Well, you have Blake Corum, who we went into with a couple of questions. Those were quickly answered, and now you're like, was he the best running back that we've ever seen at Michigan? And we're a youngish group, so you're not bringing in seven Craig Rosses who remember the you know 1800s. <laughs> Craig Ross doesn't but, remember half of what he thinks he remembers. Well, that's a different point, but... <laughs> Then you look at, and, and the interesting thing to me, and probably what put made my smile just a little bit bigger, is like Ohio State fans probably think, eh, well, that Quorum kid's going to the NFL. Who do they have after that? And the guy who rips the touchdown runs is Donovan Edwards. Well, and and you're just like, hey, look, there's another one. Yeah, and, and, and Edward the get, speed. Edward gets into the open field, and on the first one, he's got a safety. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he doesn't. Then he doesn't. And well, he downshifts like, on the safety, and the safety bites and takes a bad angle because of the well it's just it's i i I don't know any tight ropes the sidelines because it looks like he almost goes out of bounds but he stays he he played that dude he was like here's my speed Uh, and that dude slow and that guy was really fast i don't know and then and then he turned it on go watch that play man you'll see in the ufr you're gonna be like quorum quorum is still mike hart but fast but yeah he he gave some of that up to become mr beefy cakes Mm -hmm. yeah and Donovan Edwards is like Marshall in, Falk. That's what I said. He's in, and he's also in the category of like nobody's catching him. There's not one defensive player in the country who's catching up to Donovan Edwards. And I mean, Ohio State recruits on speed, right? Uh, yeah. Like they they go out every year and they for defensive backs and they're like, okay, show me your forty time. That's the guy. But that's that's what you were. I mean, we said this with Loveland is like you went from like all and and schoonmaker and then you see loveland foreman behind and then there's other guys that you know bredesen pops up and plays a role and he's probably got a, a nice little future ahead of him but you go across the board position by position and you're like michigan's kind of doing that i mean they're going to lose a couple of offensive linemen and you're probably not going to replace olu one for one no but they got a couple of guys that they really like there I mean, I don't know about the guards, but, like, Michigan's been stockpiling players at position after position after position. So this just isn't like, oh, this is our shot. We have to take it now. It's, well, we got a lot of options behind those guys, too. Because look at next year. You're going into next year. You get J.J. back. You get Donovan back. You get Andrew Anthony. You get probably Roman Wilson. Well, and and Seth Mm -hmm. is, like, the biggest beater of drums regarding this freshman um, wide receiver class. Yeah. Oh, God, you have, I, I mean, mean, and then you have Loveland. And they still gonna, have Wilson. You have all. Right. This is what I mean. Is like, but this is what Ohio State has been. Is right. oh, good. You know, Olave and, and Wilson are gone. Oh, wait, Marvin Harrison's yeah. better. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy cow. Or they get JSN, who didn't even play. Yeah. And you're just like, well, how are we going to defend that? And then, well, they're going to be gone. And then well, you look at the next crew. Yeah. And this is what you do when you're at that level. And I mean, the Buka looked like Donovan Peoples Jones out there. But good and bad. Yeah. And, like, that, but you saw the amount of talent. And, like, the, the one that Samer still lost on him, that's just, like, that, that guy was I mean, being he's a, a good, dude. I mean, that's what Alex was saying is, like, he's going to make some plays. Yeah. But is he Harrison? No. no. But yeah. he's also not Kakoa Crawford. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. I tried, to go, I tried to go to a, a poll. That's a deep cut. Maybe I missed it. Daryl Stoneham. D- Daryl Stoneham. Wow. Uh, anyway... Uh, I, th- I think anyway, we've uh, said all there is to say about the offense. 
Yeah, yeah. I know we got a request for a 16-hour podcast. Alex, do you have a, do you have another offensive tidbit for us? Uh, no, not for today. Okay. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. I'm a three-day loser in the middle of a three-day game. Folks, we record this at Venue, which also has lovely drinks and food, and they are throwing a Game Watch party for the Big Ten Championship on Saturday night. And and I just did this. I just did the game here yesterday. Yes, and it was. A, I mean, it was a great app. There was one Ohio State fan. One and 
and he was very miserable when he left. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but I mean, it was a it was a great atmosphere. Everyone was doing the you know singing the victors across mm. the whole thing, and it was. Oh, man, I, this, is, this place is, is awesome. So the place to be, if you want to be at a sports bar that does not take the food directly off the Cisco truck and put it in the microwave, come to venue on Saturday. All right, so defensively, I mean, I mentioned this in our, our Vibe segment, but Alex's take on the Ohio State offense going back, I think, a month now uh, turned out to be absolutely prescient. Let's all just say, how many other offenses has he nailed? <laughs> I mean, this is just like maybe Michigan scouting report is reading FFFF. <laughs> maybe, but Alex was pointing out you know the Iowa game where they get a ton of short fields, but they can't drive the field against the Iowa defense, and that was just sort of the story of their season. We talked about this in the opener. A lot of that goes back to the fact that once they get to third and short, they're horrible. They are horrible. And that goes back to the fact that they don't have a consistent ground game that can get to three yards. But they have Mayan Williams. Their ground game is like their passing game, right? They regard it exactly the same. So Michigan's ground game is like, yeah, we, we're going to get four yards on this, and it's going to be very difficult for you to prevent that from happening. And then we're going to break some long ones, too. Ohio State's like, yeah, this is going to get 12 yards or possibly no yards. Uh-huh. And that's... Their attitude towards it, even if it's different, even if their their uh, distribution of, of results is more typical of a run game than a pass game, the way they use it, it's like we have two different versions of a passing game. And that's that results in third and threes where they're doing things that are patently insane. And that's coaching and decision-making, right? It is. It's, it's how they play in the NFL, though. But he wants to be clever. Yeah. Ryan Day is like, I want to be clever. I'm, I'm going to be the guy who outsmarted Michigan. Right. And so on that fourth and two, when they're hurling it down the field, it's like, that's dumb. That is stupid. I, yeah. I mean, again, unless he catches it. Again, no, but stupid in, in like the context of this rivalry in your college football game and like just do something easy because they're college kids. But from an NFL perspective, you get a matchup that you like. Your tight end versus Jalen Harrell, who's a defensive end. You get the matchup you like. You throw it at them, and you let your athletes go make plays. That's how they play in the NFL. Yeah, but you don't know that Jalen Harrell is going to be the matchup there. Well, I mean, they, they move guys around like that was what they were getting. That, that's so. what they're, yeah, but you don't, yeah. you don't know that. And it's just you're the, if, you're at, if you think you're the favorite, you've got to play like the favorite. You know? Like if you think that you're the better team, if you think that you will win this game if you keep variance relatively low, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you like the matchup. It doesn't matter. Well, I mean, their thing is C.J. Stroud, I mean, even yesterday, threw some ridiculously scarily accurate balls. Yeah, but he yeah. <laughs> but he also missed a lot. And Michigan— He did miss more than I anticipated. His first read, he was, he's money. His second read, he just totally, like, loses his accuracy well, if he, all of a sudden. If, he, if you move him off his spot at all, it goes away. Wow, but he mm-hmm. rolled out and, like, the one time and hit that guy in the sidelines he on did. the comeback. And yeah. just like, the yeah, one oh time. God. The one time. <laughs> yeah. But there were several other instances where you move him off his spot and then he just goes to hell. He threw that one behind Igbuka in the end zone. Yeah. 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 Well, on the ro- and that was on a the rollout. Run. Yeah. And it's just a situation where, like, yeah, he's going to get drafted pretty high from the ed- by the NFL and then he's just going to fail. Because <laughs> you, you well, got that, that was the discussion yesterday, what, between you and Craig, and you're just like, well, I don't want the Lions to take him anymore. I want the Texans to take him, number one. <laughs> I mean... He'd be coached by Lovey Smith. And then, Well, probably not. And then <laughs> they don't run him one time in this game. Nope. And t- 
to me, that is completely. He just insane. doesn't want to, right? Well, like that's got to be it. They had an arc read for him in the Northwestern game that saved their bacon. And even if you put it on film, we talk about this all the time. If you have to account for a quarterback, that changes everything about your defense. Ohio State doesn't do it once. Well, they they used him as a threat because Michigan had a guy on him on their first drive. Their first scripted drive was was brilliant. And then they completely went away from the run aspects of it and just kept the screen game part. But, like, testing Michigan with speed – by, by moving guys around and loading up the box on that side and seeing, like, can the linebackers actually identify their gaps and get there when, they, when you're uh, taking a defensive end out with, uh, you know, Stroud looking at a guy, that, was, that worked. And then they just stopped. Well, That didn't come out again all game. They, I mean, they, they went back to the wide receiver screens repeatedly, and I just felt like, man, that's low upside. And Michigan stones a few of them. They or, did that against Penn State. They threw six or seven of them against Penn State. And I remember the Ohio State bloggers just screaming the whole time because their wide receivers aren't blockers. Well, and they, and they, yeah. but they complain when they don't do it because then they're like, we don't have any restraints on our run, constraints on the run game. So people just tee off on it. Well, that should tell you everything you need to know about Ohio State fans. Blocking. No, I mean, these are like the serious folks, like okay. Ross Fulton and yeah. Like, yeah. like. So they complain Kyle when Jones. they do it and they complain when they don't, though? Well, I think if you can't execute then you don't get to have either side of it, really. And they did get some chunks. Like, they got six, seven yards some of the time. Well, a couple of times because Rod Moore decided to fall over and run into a cornerback. Well. So, I mean, and I mean, I'm mean, i not going to diss on Moore because one he played. Time. One well, bad play. You know, on he that, made yeah. two. He, he, there, there were two that tackles okay. he missed. And, and I'm not down on him because he made five other great plays. I'm just saying that that doesn't mean that that play works. That, that play works because a Michigan defensive player didn't make a play. Yeah, and and you can't count on that. Like that's not an offense. We're like, oh well. I mean, maybe it is if you're in Ohio like, State safety. But like what other than <laughs> the end around on their first drive? Do you think is going to be like, oh, that's an RPS plus? Probably the Marvin Harrison touchdown. But that's uh-huh. on that's on but Michigan. That's, is that an RPS plus or is that just a dime? Well, but also it's just like you're blitzing from the safety level and he's doing nothing instead of yeah, I, Marvin Harrison. I mean, RPS can be us, you know, doing something weird and then getting caught with it. But yeah. there, there was there were a couple more in the first drive where I think that they moved a lot of mass to one side of the. That's line. true. They did. Yeah. They they were able, but Michigan is playing so light in the box. Yeah, like the whole game, it is six on six. Yeah, and th- of course you're going to get some some chunks in the ground game because you're asking your defensive tackles to win doubles and. They do occasionally. Yeah, but that's not – it's generally not a thing, is it? Well, I mean – I mean, like, maybe if you're – No. Aaron Donald. If you if you hold up to a double, that's great. Right. But to make a play out of a double? Yeah, no, that's, that's – I mean that, – That's not something that really happens. <laughs> so, Michigan, like, I was, I was wrong about how I thought they should approach this game because I didn't take Alex's – Maxims to heart re- should read his stuff, but even in the red zone, they're just like we're dropping seven. No, I was surprised by that. I mean, I figured they would have to throw the kitchen sink because that's what everybody did. And in this game, it turned out that uh, Jim Knowles was Doctor Blitz, and Jesse Venter <laughs> was like, "Ah, we're just gonna <laughs> gonna cover." And I, you're gonna have to try to see what's going on back there, Seth. Mm-hmm. But the number of plays where Stroud's in the pocket forever. Because Michigan can't get anywhere near him, and he doesn't have anybody. Or he doesn't see anybody. Well, I don't know. I mean, he's he's gone up against a lot of seven-man zones, I think. 
<laughs> and I I was just I was shocked. I was like, here comes the dagger, and then all yeah. of a sudden he's got to like, oh well, I got to roll out and create something because I don't have anything. But so you, oh, go ahead. Alex. Do you think that is related to why they threw to Stover so much? Because I was looking and I was reading Ross Fulton and some of the other people, and they were pretty angry that Stover got the most targets that he's gotten in a single game all season. And they I were mean, complaining that there weren't throws to Harrison and use your best players on and on. But we can argue that's because of the coverage, right? That then they well, they, they, bracket, they bracketed Harrison a lot, right? I mean, they yeah, played split there. safeties the whole yep. time, and like they were just like, you're not going to be able to get over the top. And then when they didn't play split safeties, mm-hmm. immediate touchdown. But yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know what kills that stuff? It's what you've been saying: quarterback run. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so that's it, and they wouldn't do it, and and Michigan was stuck other than there are a couple early explosives, until they broke that out, and then that threw the wrench in it. And if Steve J. Stroud, like you said, he doesn't have to run 10, 15 times. He doesn't have to be J.T. Barrett. He has to be Andrew Luck, yeah. where he gets the ball, gets the edge, gets six. Okay, and that changes all the play calling and how the defense approaches these sequences. And they just didn't he just do it. wouldn't do it, and he wouldn't even scramble. I mean, it took, like, a guy with a cattle prod behind him to scramble, like, once. You know— I mean, we went into the game against Dwayne Haskins, and that was that was the year where they got Tyler Trented at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly in that game, it's like they have a fourth and three goal from the three, and they try a wide receiver screen. And I'm like, this is not the same Ohio State team. And you know what Dwayne Haskins did in the game? He ran the damn ball. They ran him four or five times. He picked up 10, 11 yards because it was just like— He was a it, tank. It's hard to stop, yeah, yeah. especially yeah. when you're trying to defend the rest of Ohio State's offense. Yeah, and then, like, you know, you go back to Cardinal Jones, and, like, even when they incorporated pro-style game, like, that, they just they had that in the toolbox, yeah. and that was something that they would go to. And, like, I, not having the fear of Ohio State on 4-3, I know that we're going to do this next segment, but, like, not having the fear is well, weird. That, that's the single biggest drop-off from Stroud or from Fields to Stroud, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago Ryan Day's quarterback ran a 4-4 and is like now the fastest running quarterback in the NFL is basically a running back in the NFL. And now you have this guy who, and like Stroud isn't super athletic. He's not Fields, but he's not Peyton Manning. He just has yeah. no feel for running. He I has even, no intuition of when to do it. But that's, that's on Ryan Day. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not part of your offense at all. And I think that's another part of like Michigan being a little bit ahead of the meta. Is because they have the dual threat now at quarterback, and God willing, they will never lack it again because <laughs> it just changes so much. Well, it, I mean, look at I mean, again, we talk about the NFL. I mean, we're talking about Ohio State, so it makes sense. But look at all the quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes can do it. Josh Allen can do it. Joe Burrow can do it. You want it? You want to win a Super Bowl? Sands maybe Matt Stafford last year. Like you have to have a guy that. When nothing is there and it's fourth and four, the play is to go. Why? Because you can call a quarterback run, or you can have him sit in the pocket, lose a defensive end, and pick up the first down. Just I mean, that Bills Chiefs game last year, there were like no punts because everybody went on fourth down, and quarterbacks ran and picked it up when nothing was there. Justin Fields can do it. Well, I mean, they're, oh, they didn't run him enough either. Can, can he throw enough? I mean, that's a different. No, but no, but, no, but like <laughs> Chicago, like unlocked their offense the second they started using Justin Fields as a runner well. as well, and you know who coached that guy in college? How come he wasn't doing that in college? Well, he was doing. He that. was doing it. He enough, was definitely. Yeah. He, got, he had like six hundred yards a year, which is enough to completely cripple. And, and that's kind of your target, right? It's yeah. like four to six hundred ish in that range. I mean, you don't you don't need to have Denard numbers, no. but. And you don't want Denard numbers because <laughs> the that's thing about too, Denard yeah, it's too much on one person. is 
as great as he was and as fun as he was to watch, he also missed time because he was hurt. Yeah. Not even just his senior year, but they had to take him out every year. Yeah. Well, and then they and murdered then he, him by having Al Borges coach him. But Well, okay. But anyway, <clears throat> I'll get over it sometime. I think, I think we're happy today, Brian. Yeah, we're happy today. Um, but they sat back, and the coverage in this game was incredible. Second straight year. You have Rod Moore hop up on two different routes on, in zone and get pass breakups. That is impossible against Ohio State. That is incredibly hard. And, I mean, he's a starter as a freshman, mm-hmm. and Ish. it goes fine. I mean, in the, in this game last year, he was okay. A yeah. La- last year, last year he got a lot of Jack Smith and Jigba, and he was not that he was not doing what he was doing now. Yeah, so he was making tackles, he was contesting catches. Both of his PBUs in this game are no chancers, and the second one is almost an interception. And Ohio I, State fans wanted it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's not PI because he's going for the ball. No, were they both on I Harrison? Remember. I remember one was on Harrison. The second one was on Harrison. One I don't remember the first Booker, one. I think. I think. Okay, first one was he. But yeah. and for him to pop up and, and be able to do that, and then the safeties, you don't get to see him in this game very much, and that means they're doing whatever they need to be doing perfectly. Because the only deep shot Ohio State manages to get is the one to Harrison. They get another chunk play in between levels uh, to get down to the 15 mm-hmm. on their field goal drive. And then they had a, had a big chunk. It's, they had like three 40-ish yard plays. I forget the third one. But none of those goes, no, nothing goes over the top of the safeties. Not one. And that was the game plan. It's like, I mean, Alex said make him drive the field. But also, what do we watch whenever you see highlights of Ohio State games? There's some guy walking into the end zone yeah. with no one around him, 10 yards behind him. And then they show four more of those. And you're like, wow, this is going to be fun. But maybe <laughs> Michigan is like, all right, fine, you know, efficient us. And you, we don't think you can. Well, Michigan did play off, especially at the beginning of the game. And, I mean, that was a, yeah. that's been the thing that they've been doing all season. It's just like, okay, you want to try to take the 10 – you know, ten yard under. Keep doing that. Eventually, we're just going to drop somebody into that. But so here they were giving them it. There's a website called Game on Paper that gives you these really advanced box scores. Ohio State's success rate in this game is 49 percent. That's 86 percentile. Their explosive play rate 5 percent, right. 16th percentile. So, but we, that's who they are. We Iowa'd them. <laughs> <laughs> we we got Phil Parker in from Iowa City, <laughs> and we're like. Guide us to the promised land, Phil Parker. And there you go. I mean, it's almost sort of a Michigan State last year, except we didn't get a goal line stand. But, like, right? Last yeah. year, MSU was like, you can drive up the field. You can get in red zone. We're going to force a field goal. Yeah. And Michigan did that pretty well. And they got a red zone takeaway, too. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it was almost <laughs> on a very bizarre Oh my god! <laughs> that maybe isn't a pass attempt. It's a I don't know. He's trying to Mahomes it, right? Yeah, yeah. he doesn't Mahomes it. No. Well, and, and the receivers like looking at like what are you doing? And like puts his hand out for a second. That his hand actually kind of like helps tip it to upshot. Yeah, too. but he's got to try to put a. Hand it's actually the right. Yeah, it's actually no, no. the right play. I, I just, he I just misses. My point it. is how weird. Like it was yeah. a very random thing. Well, the receivers like, wait, are you trying to run? <sighs> Yeah, could see he was trying to run. Yeah, yeah. And we said he didn't try to run because he doesn't try to run. And then it looked like he was trying to run. It was a joke. Yeah, I mean, so. we only got one sack on him, and, and that, that sack, was that was irrelevant. It was yeah. like way which late. Alex and says by the was way, a that was a fumble. That was oh yeah, it was absolutely a fumble. It would have been a touchdown, I think, from wow. Shaw. Right? He was right yeah, there, yeah. and he yeah. he's going to pick it up and and he's going to try to run. And I was like, you know, 
I'm I. That's a absolutely terrible call, and I don't have to care. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the next play is uh, you know ball goes off the receiver's hands and into Macari Page's hands. Yep. It's like, yep. well, you deserve that. So like, finally, Michigan gets the turnovers. Also, they were up twenty-two points in this game. <laughs> but that's it. That Michigan gets the turnovers in this game finally, and they don't even matter. No, they don't matter. Yeah, because they're so late that yeah, it puts the game away, and that's nice. But like, like there's no, it doesn't change it. There's no fluke here. Yeah. Like nothing weird happened that wasn't something that, I mean, Michigan hit all their opportunities, but it's not like, you know, something bounced off a helmet and it wasn't like the Penn State game in that way. You know, the scores Michigan was getting were ones they deserved because Ohio State was playing zero. And it's, it's probably the most gorgeous day of football all year. But yeah, I was, <laughs> it was it was like warm. Like I had to yeah, leave I had to leave a jacket yeah. in the car. I had, had a couple jackets because I know we were going to be seated in the stratosphere. And I was like, well, maybe I should leave this coat here. And I did, and I was still warm. It was it was probably the best weather in the history of the Michigan Ohio <laughs> yeah. State game, which is even more ironic because what did we want? Yeah, yeah. we wanted a blizzard. We wanted the 1950 snowball. Well, mm-hmm. the, that just would have been another excuse. I mean, they can't That's blame injuries. True. They're like, oh, we didn't have Jackson Smith the jig. But I'm like, we didn't have our Heisman running back. Yeah, and our other running back was playing with one hand. And but back to the defense. Yeah, um, the cornerbacks. Morris. You know. Uh, Turner got beat on that back shoulder on the first drive, which is yeah. like, well, that's a superhero. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know. Uh, he missed a tackle early, but. And then Green gets beat on the touchdown. Yeah. And you're like, okay, if those are the worst things that happen to your cornerbacks against Ohio State, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> well, Sainer still was yeah. beaten a few times, but. Well, yeah, I mean, Jemmy gets beat by Marvin Harrison. Right, like yeah. if he's yeah. beat by Julian Fleming, maybe we can have a conversation. Well, and that's but. not like, and then <laughs> he's another top five overall. There's like this real who, subtle who might not push off that Harrison has on that. Yeah, yeah. and it's never going to get called. And I'm not mad that it didn't get called, but it is just like he's there, and then Harrison, you know, has the dark arts from his dad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just dark, just on the field, <laughs> the dark arts from his dad are his, in his ridiculous separation ability. Right, and and yeah. I just need that. I'm not even like upset about that. Like, yeah, you got beat. Okay, but to to mostly shut the, this down. I mean, they were playing soft and they were letting Ohio State complete things in front of them and then tackling. Fine, but to to have basically no breakdowns. Was there a single bust in this game? Not really. Uh, there was one on the Ohio State sideline yeah. where they had a triangle and Moten was kind of deep and Barrett faded way into the middle of the field. I mean, it was like a 15 yard bust. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the other that's... thing that I the other thing I noticed was like Colson didn't chip on their uh, on their first touchdown. Right. That's true because uh, Sainer still set up an outside leverage mm-hmm. and he just doesn't have a chance yeah. on their first touchdown. Yeah. It's like so someone screwed up there because there's got to be some. Or more goes to the outside. I mean, like got, there was, no. It was it was Colson needs to chip on that because look at when when they passed the Loveland against Illinois. Remember how many guys like banged into him before he actually gets open. Yeah. That's what you do. You have to bang that guy off his route. Yeah. yeah. But we, we mentioned that St. Russell got beat a couple times, but also he has that incredible pass breakup. He has another slant breakup. I think that one was against Harrison uh, where they're trying to drive the field in the fourth quarter and they don't get a quick touchdown drive in part because that's a pass breakup. And he falls off uh, his receiver on that pitch play on yep. third and three. Him and Colson played mm-hmm. that Perfectly, and because one of them gets in, the other one goes outside of him to like just leapfrog each other all the way to the sideline. And they were trying to do that a lot. 
they were like, okay, they're going to be in man coverage. We're going to try to force Mike Sainrisil to crack replace. And Sainrisil did it every time. He recognized it so fast. He's not the biggest guy. But he recognized it so fast that every time they tried to do it, he was out there and he was making it work. And I was like, that guy was a wide receiver last year, and he looks like the smartest guy on the field. Well, I mean, did you see Harbaugh's postgame presser about him and so they're asking him and I think it was Sainer still that came in and maybe even Barrett and he's like just praising oh these fourth and fifth year guys are coming back making big plays and he's kind of like you guys can both come back next year can't you (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm paraphrasing but basically he's saying yeah Mikey yeah you got I think you have another year of eligibility left and and you're just like (laughs) you gotta gotta dangle that like we're gonna let you throw a pass on offense (laughs) thing out there for for Barrett Barrett God, I mean, story. so Sainer is still last year catches the flea flicker from Cade in yeah. the Ohio State game, oh, and then this year he's God mode on the defensive side. Yeah. So next year he's going to be our kicker. <laughs> <laughs> is that your hot take? Because uh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I just I, I just can't get over the coverage performance from this back seven. Like, so that's clink scale, right? Oh, it's clink scale. I mean, it's Minter. <laughs> It's it's the guys playing, but yeah, the guys I mean, themselves have been they was, bought into the system. This was mostly zone, right? And they didn't play hardly any zone until last year, which is, but you have to teach that. But, but they weren't right. recruited for it. I mean, Don Brown recruited most of these guys, other than Will Johnson, who had a great game, and he's grown up. Oh, and he was he was out there trying to be Charles Woodson. Like he gets into like a Woodson re- receiver fight right at the well, beginning of the play. Well, he looked down and he realized, oh, I'm number two. I know what I'm supposed to do in this and game. And he started. Man, that dude's going to be, be something. But all the other guys were Don Brown recruits for man. And you got Jamon Green. You have to get him to buy into the program. He does. You have uh, Turner, like turns himself into a different player. And, you know, and, and look how that's working out. And like these guys... You know, Sainer still was a receiver you had to convert, and... I mean, kind of. They converted him to receiver from DB. Yeah. That's true. But he hadn't really played it for since high school, and for him to come this far so fast, and then play a bunch of zone against a super advanced passing attack, and for it to go very well, I mean... So did you see his post-game comments at all, where well, he was in the press conference? Or I think it was... It must have been like an official interview or whatever, because he was talking about how someone asked him when they, when, when did you know you were going to win the game or, or something like that? And he's like in the fourth, in the right around the, the start of the fourth quarter, because we had a little bit of huddle. And actually I went back and I rewatched it last night and you can see, they have a little video of him like standing up on a chair, like talking to the rest of the defense. And he said, you could look over at their sidelines and their sideline was down. Their heads were hanging. They knew they lost this game. We needed to make some plays, but we were going to win this game. And that's when I knew it. I, I mean, think more Bruce or less. Feldman is going to write an article about that mm-hmm. because he, I, he was apparently on the sideline mm-hmm. because Jim Harbaugh loves him some Bruce Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he tweeted out something about like one of the best game in, in-game speeches that he's ever heard. And I bet that was it. Oh, from St. Ristel? Yeah. yeah. I, they, they showed it a little bit on the broadcast yeah. of him like talking. But I mean, the, everyone's got their moment, but maybe we'll get this in the next segment. But like the – with. They won't go for it on fourth down. Yeah, we, we got a whole segment. We, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get like, to that. But like, <laughs> but and then and then they punt it, and they also and they hold on the punt, and they also get a um, a, a stupid penalty on it too, where yeah. like they backs up another fifteen yards. Like the 
the moment you could see them coming unglued, I think was the other one too, where he the got headbutt. a headbutt. Yeah. yeah, and like that's what we saw last year too, right? Where like in the end zone, all of a sudden they start attacking Roman Wilson. That's what happens <clears throat> when Ohio State gets shook. Well, there's that scuffle where yeah, uh, someone yeah. I think it was Rayshon Benny says something. And then there's like some pushing and two guys like yeah, it was over on the Michigan I, side. I thought it was kind of like a, a Juwan Howard esque like everybody on Philly on his head or something. Uh, he did like, just, that kind of bothered him. Just some shoving or yeah. whatever. And, but it's like yeah, they, it's like okay, they're 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 shook. And the Michigan State Twitter is like arrest everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so the other point was you could see this in the stadium because I can't remember what play it was. I don't think it was one of the touchdowns, but it, it might have been the interception, the first interception where. Um, all of the players on the team like look up and see the Michigan fans up in the corner kind of going nuts, and they're high in a way, right? It's not like there's a section right, right there where you can turn and yell at you. You, I mean, your guys are like way up, and you got so they kind of run down their sideline towards the north end zone and start like pointing and yelling and getting everybody fired up, and everyone up there is just like yelling back at them and stuff. And there's like a moment where you remember last year at Wisconsin where they play jump around and the whole team goes bonkers, and then the the play or the they do the same thing at Nebraska where they turn the lights out and and all the Michigan fans are jumping around on mm-hmm. the field and this felt very much like that where we've got this game we know we're going to win this game we know that they're fading and this is our time and they just kind of connected with the fans and the Michigan fans in a way that was like you could just sort of know, see it happening before it actually happened and the team was like right on it all right well we're going to Finish talking about the players on defense. <laughs> gonna try. I so, mean, Braden McGregor almost had two picks in this. Uh, the first one, he drops right into a slant, and Stroud overthrows it, and it f- just glances off one of his mm-hmm. fingertips. And that is, he's, everybody's like, "Oh!" I mean, he can't make that play. I mean, he, he knocked no, no, it down. No, no, yeah, he, yeah, he's well. If Stroud no. throws it accurately to the right. receiver, it's an interception. Yeah, it's a pick six, and that's a that was a third and four where Minter just dialed it up. I mean, mm-hmm. just completely crushed that play call by buzzing that slant. And then there's the third and three where he's one of three guys rushing the passer. Yeah. And they try a wide receiver screen. And that one, too, he deflects up and almost that one, he has it. Yeah, yeah, he has a, a miracle chance at actually picking that one. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, what that was was the, the step down where, like, they, because they watch to see who's coming to see whether they're going to throw that, he steps down and then backs out. They did it a couple times early in the year, and then that went out of the the defense. And I was like, "Oh, they're probably going to pull." You that mean the first thing. one? The first one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where like you'd have that stab, and then you come back and you yeah. drop out. Sim pressure. Yeah, and that was, I mean, like, that that was an interception. <laughs> like if he throws yeah. it, that was another one where but like the the wild thing on the second one was just like it's third and three, and everybody on Michigan is like, "Yep, swing pass to the wide receiver." Even the one of the three guys rushing the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because he's so far upfield, like, what happens if that's a quarterback draw? Well, that's not in the Ohio State playbook. Right. So, I mean, I, I feel like we saw Minter just absolutely download this offense. And you're only going to, you know, like, contain them, but 23 points. And there were a lot of drives in this game because Michigan was scoring some explosives. Mm-hmm. So they had a lot of opportunities to move the ball, and they did a little bit. But So those McGregor plays, like, Alex, you and I talked a couple times about you know, the future and McGregor's sort of in that mix for you, right? Like you think, I mean, he, I mean, be, he makes he some get plays. Better, but he also, he made a great TFL. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, play. yeah. It's second and two at midfield. He turns it into third and three. Then the pitch 
gets shut off by Colson and Samer still, and then the first of the many questionable yep. punt situations <laughs> begins. So that, that play changes that whole series, flips and the whole drive around. He's unblocked on the backside, but that's a big boy who's yep. he's able to rope. To get from, yeah. The, yeah. from the backside end spot. Yeah. yeah, he's not respecting a quarterback keep either. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nope. uh, and then, so there's not a whole lot to talk about with the defensive tackles because Lightbox getting doubled all game. They held up decently well. I mean, there are some plays where they're just getting plowed, but they don't have any help. They played better in the second half. And then They started yeah. winning. Jenkins has that hold he draws. Yeah. Yeah, they, they each have one pass rush that yeah. kills drives. Yeah. The Jenkins pass rush draws a hold. Mozzie has one on a third down that yep. forces Stroud to throw off the back foot, which, as we know, is not very accurate. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I can't remember where the Graham one was, but Benny is the guy who contacts Stroud on the bizarre shovel pass interception. Yeah. So they all like had one little moment where they where they flipped things around. Well, on one on of the Jenkins' hold, too, by the way, Mozzie flips off his guy, too, so he was about to come as well. Like he, they, they had two guards who were like, uh-oh. And the wild thing is like they get down in the red zone on their first drive, and... The guys stuffing those first two plays, Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant. Yeah. Yeah. And true freshman. Well, they played a lot of the, or maybe it was Benny out there, but Grant, it was the younger ones on the, the drive that ends in the interception in the red zone. Right. And Michigan has, because Ohio State's speeding up and Michigan can't get those guys off. They end up playing like six, seven snaps in a row. Well, on that and Michigan just bleeding them down the field at that yeah. point because mm-hmm. they're up 15. Or seven minutes left, and the play is just like, yes, you can have all the seven-yard receptions you want. It might have been. But the point being, they, they were comfortable with those guys. They yeah. also play Jimmy Rolder a lot. Like, yeah. they really yeah. trust the true freshman in they this had, game. I mean, they had a, they, at one point, I think they, they had a stretch uh, play, where, like a dart play, actually, it was. But uh, uh, Colson gets the wrong gap, and they pull Colson off for a minute, and they put uh, you know, the true freshman out there. Rolder, yeah, Rolder. And, like... He got, have, he got buried, but <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but I, that was part of the story all year long. Is like, what do we do if we have to go to a third linebacker? And you know, well, this would be the fourth linebacker because Barrett was the answer as the third linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that well, because that, they've been without Hill Green all year. Yeah. So they, God bless Michael Barrett. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this guy comes in and doesn't really have a role. Like he, he comes in as a Don Brown Viper. He's a special teams ace. He's throwing it and running it on special teams and stuff. And he's just kind of this guy who, you know, a lot of guys transfer like that these days. You know, yep. they're like, I don't really see a future for me at this program. And William Mohan's at Tennessee, or I guess he's not anymore. I mean, he's, he sticks it out. And he's a starting linebacker on the Big Ten East Division champions and performs just like He's not a superhero, right? He's a football player. But, like, he's a guy who had to learn, learn a new position, had to be in some uncomfortable spots, had to learn how to really fill a gap. And his progress this year has just been outstanding. And I just, like, in terms of guys from this team who you have Sainer still, who's a nobody out of nowhere. You have Barrett, who's this high school quarterback who just looks like a, a chonky boy. And for those guys to develop into what we saw on this defense is just incredible. But that's like you if you love football and you want to play football, you don't always get to choose what you play because what team you play on, what's available on on not only the staff but in the roster. You got to fill in a spot and then you got to learn to work. I mean, it's like pitching in baseball. Sometimes you're a starter, sometimes you got to learn to be a long reliever. But if you want to play and you go to a coach who loves football, who's going to train you and you're going to work hard, Harbaugh's going to give you a shot, and he's going to get, find a spot for you, and that's what Michael Barrett has done. I mean, he—I mean, how many? F- he's converted two fake 
punts in his career. The Washington one, the Army one, yeah. in different ways. He had another one against Maryland, yeah, too. Yeah, three. Okay. And he had the music settling miracle throw against I mean, yeah. this is the thing, though. Like, if you, if you work hard and you learn how to do stuff, Harbaugh's going to give you a shot. So you yeah. could transfer, and you might be able to do something somewhere, maybe. But the, the kid's a football player. That's what I'm yeah. saying. That, I mean, I, I don't want to get too, like, you know, hey, we're, you know, football, football. No, but like, I, I demanded in this case. I want, I want, I want Seth, the dumbest give, sports talk radio takes about Michael right Barrett. Now. Give me some football, football. That's what we are right now. We're football, football. And, like, we weren't. I think Jim Harbaugh, like, you know, 2016, he brings in a, a class of, like, you know, guys who are five. So guys very similar to the players that Ohio State has. Yeah. And, and they were good players. I'm not going to knock those players. But I think that they started to focus, not saying, like, oh, let's get the three stars. But, like, let's get the guys who are going to play and buy into this program. And I think that there's some truth to the fact that, like, this, everyone on this team – is bought in, and your leaders are guys like Samer still and Corm, who is a f- like almost five star player. Corm and Hutchinson were Corm part Hutch- of the huge culture change, but they're not just five stars. They are guys who are they are absolute football guys who, when they go to meet Dan Campbell, Campbell's like, "Oh, I love this guy. He's the best football man ever." Let's not sell you this podcast with mention of the Lions. I'm, but I'm saying their football guyness yeah. is. Unquestionable. Well, Cor- Corum texts his dad every day, and they both go back and forth about how they worked hard today. I mean, but that's a yeah. that's a theme you're starting to see. And and I mean, this is what we wanted the Harbaugh era to yeah. be. We were excited about oh, let's go out and get all the five stars we can. But the ideal Harbaugh era at Michigan, what we all wanted it to be, was like Stanford with a little bit more talent. Yeah. And that's what they and, are now. And the truth is, is you're probably still not going to out-recruit Ohio State. No. 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 So, but you get But you more. find ways to beat them with creativity and gadget pieces and guys who are willing to fill in those spaces. Well, and now you have an offensive line yep. set up as a machine. Right. You have, you have what looks like the beginnings of like a Wisconsin era on the offensive line. Pay Sharon more his money. Mm-hmm. I think you can sum this up by saying the difference that Michael Barrett, who is, I don't know where he was in the composite, like maybe 800 he was a three something star. like that. It was a low three-star. Yeah. He has a much, much more important impact at Michigan than Aubrey Solomon. Well, Aubrey Solomon is a special case. Yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean, the point, right? Aubrey Solomon yeah. is these kinds of guys they had gotten that yeah. were high in the recruiting rankings. And, uh, you know, for various reasons, a lot of them didn't quite work, and now they've found guys that work for them. Well, one thing that they're doing is they're identifying guys early, and then yeah. they rise in the recruiting rankings, but, <coughs> but not enough. And I think the two standout freshmen this year are both in that category. Oh, yeah. Colson Loveland. I mean, the Mason and Graham, Mason Graham. The Mason Graham well, one is just yeah. a complete embarrassment. Just in terms of, like, rising. For the recruiting right. industry. Well, right? I, I, I mean, want to focus. I mean, Rod Moore has some big plays in this game. There were... Six defensive backs in Ohio State's class, and Rod Moore was an Ohio State guy who grew up in Ohio that they didn't look at because he was too short. And like that's the guys they get. And Rod Moore, he'll I think he'll play in the NFL. He might not be like a he's not going to be a first day pick. I mean, but that guy can play. How many how many times have we seen safeties make the plays Rod Moore made in this game against Ohio State? I mean, you don't even have to say against Ohio State. I mean, I, Michigan like. For him, to I mean, he had the same play against Michigan State that got an interception. It's the same play. Yeah. Now the, the ball is maybe not quite as accurate, but he jumps the route, reads it, picks it off, and goes the other way. His recognition is is yeah. like mm-hmm. you watch him on that that the breakup 
on the slant to, to Harrison. And it's just like, he knows it's coming. He jumps it. And, you know, around these parts, we, the thing that we desperately want a safety to be is boring. Yep. Yeah. And Rod Moore is not boring, <laughs> but not in a bad no, way. But he's he is a, a, he's a football guy. I mean, I football. <laughs> he did it. He did it. He's a football guy. Yeah. He is. He is. And I remember doing his recruiting thing and like the Ohio coaches would jump into every one of the threads about him. So mad that Michigan's looking at this guy because it was a he was a guy who like led the workouts with a couple five stars that he used to work out with. I mean, he's from you know, Western CJ Ohio. CJ Hicks, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was, and he was buddies with all those guys. But he was the, you know, one leading the the program. He was the he was the hard, hard worker who got everybody else on board. And the Ohio coaches around the Cincinnati and around the Western Ohio area adored that kid. He's yeah. a football guy. So when I went down to see him and the wide receiver who decommitted and went to I think Wisconsin or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I talked to the athletic director, and he goes, "Oh, you're gonna love this guy. He he babysits like everyone's children. Like that's in <laughs> high school. Like that's that's what he does." And then afterwards, so they played a team that ran the triple option. So we're gonna get a lot of great film from that, right? Like he, I don't care what he does about coming down and, and hitting the run on, on a triple option. But the one play that I that we have on film from that game is. They have a Hail Mary from the 50-yard line, so they bring him in on offense. Mm-hmm. He runs just right down the field, goes up, high points the ball, and catches it for a touchdown. And I'm like, well, that's a safety play. Yeah. I yeah. like that. I mean, he, he had instincts that you could see. He does not have superstar speed. He's not superstar-sized. And Ohio State did not have any problems with getting recruits that year. So they're looking, okay, Kerry Coombs is out there recruiting all the five stars. You know where he, he might have ended up some other year? Iowa. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. He's not the biggest, but he's... Or he's, Antonio's Michigan State. He's a football guy, and he's a... He's a and he's, he's not even draft hell. eligible. Hell, yeah. <laughs> all right, I think... <laughs> we have expended all takes on the defense. Does anyone else have anything to get off the It was chest? nice. Makari Page got a pick. It was deflected, but... Yeah. And he had a he had a tackle. I mean, the safeties, it, not just more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think Moten, he was fine. I mean, we we didn't see I think an error from the safeties all day, which yeah. is a, a testament. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back, and we're gonna get into it. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. 
complicated loan. Try and use them. You should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E lending.com slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. Okay, I, I just talk. I gotta. I gotta. Are you oh okay? God, yeah, I'm all right. I, I mean, look, at, look, look, look at how. I mean, the question was: Is this just Michigan's offense, or do they need Blake Corum? And to run the ball up until the very end, when Ohio State just like when that was, you know, Edwards made some great runs, but like the, they got him out there. Um, I think that yeah. you could see why Michigan needed Blake Corum. And he should be number one in the Heisman race <sighs> right now because that was – just seeing Michigan without that guy True. tells you how much of, of an important player that is. That is, I think, year. the only like real disappointment from this game is that yeah. if Blake Corum plays, mm-hmm. if he puts up Donovan Edwards' numbers in this game, it's his trophy. He wins the Heisman. Yeah. He wins the Heisman. Easily. 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 <clears throat> Easily. All right. But Jason. Good. <laughs> Jason, give me your hottest take. Say hello to your new backup quarterback, Khalil Burns. <laughs> you do this every time someone completes a pass who's not a quarterback. And that was not a good pass. <laughs> right now. 
I looked it up. He's got a QBR of 99.3. That's better than JJ. Let's get real, guys. Still behind Ed. Uh, but still behind Edwards with a broken hand. On, dude, the guts on that play was that was a pretty ballsy call in yep. that moment, and he delivered. I mean, he delivered. He definitely a better pass would have been a touchdown, but we'll take it. And so I just got to say for that moment and for all of us who forever have been like, why are we pounding the ball straight ahead and getting it 60% of the time? Why in these, when everyone's crashing down on third and one, fourth and one, why do we keep doing this? That's why. Yep. There you go. They, they trolled us with that play. They trolled us with that play. That's beautiful. Well, I mean, it reminds me of like the, the transcontinental with Drew Henson where it's like, oh, we're going to bring our quarterback and like Brady's limping to the sidelines. Like, oh, we got our linebacker here, but we ran him already. So this <laughs> yeah, is definitely not going right. to be something fishy. <laughs> right, Randy, give me your hottest take. Every single deep ball we missed in the regular season leading up to this game was on purpose. <laughs> so we could lull them to sleep and Jim Harbaugh could make Ryan Day cry real tears that would smear his fake beard dye. <laughs> I mean, what if it, I mean, I, 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 I'm joking, but what if they? You're like JJ can hit this. Truly, the pass that did it for me was the the dime he dropped to Colston Loveland. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. he hasn't hit that. He hasn't hit that pass all year, mm-hmm. and it was. I'm like, oh no, he knows how to hit that pass. So what if he just completely screwed up every single one just to make Ohio State be like, we can't. And, and Michigan was like, we're going to beat you on the ground. We're going to grind into you. We're going to make our fans hate the way we're winning and lull Ohio State into a sense of security that he can't hit that shot and then he hits three. That would be like the craziest game plan ever and the ballsiest game plan ever. It's, yeah, Harbaugh would do that, though. <laughs> That's a very Harbaugh He's that guy. He's, He's that he guy. is that insane. Dave, give me your hottest take. Okay, this is cooling off a little bit, but it wasn't when I wrote it. But Michigan <laughs> won the football game because they have the better football team with the better football coach. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary Wasserman, who's an athletic writer, was like posted some tweet about how like you got the better football team. You gotta you gotta go for these fourth downs, which I agree with. But better football mm-hmm. team. Do safeties play football? Well, Ari Wasserman's one of those guys who just sorts by 24-7's team talent rating. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's his whole thing. He's also a, an Ohio State dude. Correct. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's, he was the former beat for yeah, he's, yeah, He's a bit of a hunk. But when, when Harbaugh was hired, we were discussing how long is it going to take Michigan to catch up with Michigan State. Turns out six games. Mm-hmm. How, mm-hmm. Ohio State. Year, maybe two, maybe three. And then... It kind of went south, and you're like, wow, will we ever stop them? Will we ever win this game again? And now you look at it, and you're like, I mean, we'll see what happens, but they're going to be the favorite next year. But you might um, be. You, Maybe. Uh, I mean, look at what – it depends. I mean, they're they going to they're gonna have to replace Stroud, and Michigan doesn't have to replace McCarthy, so that's going to be a big factor. And so, I mean, who I knows mean, how many of those guys are bailing to the NFL? I was going to say, I think the fact that you won this game without – Lake Corum this year on the road there means that when you come back next year, that's not the story that like Michigan doesn't have Lake Corum. Yeah. How are they going to beat this team? And so I actually agree with you, Dave. I think well, they do come in, even if it's a small favorite, they'll come in the favorite. But 
like you made the point there. They they did it without Corum, and we talked earlier. They did it without Morris. So you just took the best yeah. player on each side of the ball off the field, and you and you crushed them. Why? Because yeah. you're a better team and with a better coach who knows how to win yeah. those games because he makes better decisions. All right, Alex, give me your hottest take. The committee is going to rank Alabama ahead of Ohio State on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Kirk Herbstreet do that. Herbstreet did it, and that's absolutely the way of preparing. It's priming, right? You're priming the audience. This is what's going to happen on Tuesday, so you can get mad at me now, but you can't be angry when it happens. But, but so, like, so the committee's been higher on Alabama all year than most of the conventional wisdom, right? They yeah. kept them around. They had LSU with two losses, super high already, knocking on the door. They've loved the SEC all year. They didn't drop Tennessee very far for getting blown out by South Carolina. Uh-huh. Alabama's got two losses, both on the road, both on the last play of those games. Ohio State lost to Michigan, who the committee doesn't like and doesn't respect. Remember that? Uh-huh. They've, they've bagged on mm-hmm. the non-conference all year. They got blown out yep. at home while Michigan didn't have their best players. It's all coming together. <laughs> so, so the only Alabama, issue... Go ahead. Does Alabama play Georgia in the SEC no, final no, game no, now? No, LSU does. LSU it's still LSU, yeah. yeah. And Bama's that, just sitting around waiting waiting for the call. So dumb. It's, it's, I mean, they lost. They should have lost to Texas. But they're, and they're, they're, but yeah. Texas is highly ranked in the efficiency. Who's, it was a road game. Who's their best win now? I think almost at Texas, right? Or yeah. at Mississippi But they State. didn't or even have their starting Ole quarterback. Too, I mean, but Ole Miss is... So, oh. they're, they're, they're all 8-4 the teams. Loves, they're all Purdue. The, the committee loves these 8-4 and four SEC teams. They fill up the top 25 with them every week. It's The committee mm-hmm. wants to rank Alabama in the top four, like Ryan Day wants to punt from plus territory <laughs> on fourth and three. Like, they want to do this. They want to do it. They're just waiting for the opportunity. And on Tuesday night, Alabama's going to be five. Ohio State's going to be six. And USC is what... Uh, is going to stand in the way of that from happening in terms of the playoff. I I can't imagine that they're going to – because they would have to – that would be a Georgia-Alabama again. Well, they didn't play. They didn't play. I know, but like – That's the whole thing. uh, I don't – I just – I don't know. I mean, maybe LSU beats Georgia, and then they can split them up, and Michigan goes one and faces Alabama I'm putting this out there for the committee. If they want to beat the allegations of SEC bias, then they rank Ohio State higher than Alabama. I don't care. Kick Ohio State out. We're all USC fans now. I already bought my OJ yes, jersey. Yeah. <laughs> just waiting OJ for Mayo, night. guys. OJ Mayo. OJ Mayo. OJ Mayo. Mayo. Yes. OJ Mayo. All right, here's mine. TCU should be a lock. I think, I think that's not even hot anymore. Yeah. That's well, a cold take. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Just get out of the shower. <laughs> I mean, if they. No, he did shower himself with ice, though, right before if, the if, segment. So, like, the popular conception I have seen is that if TCU loses the Big 12 championship game, that Ohio State will They're get out. in over them. And Alabama? No, no chance. No chance. No chance. I was, uh, you guys, that's, I mean, that's that's what they're all, all the talking heads yesterday were like, okay, TCU's in now. I mean, Michigan's in if they lose to Purdue? Yeah. Yeah, that one's. And they go down to yeah, what, yeah. four? Probably not even. Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't think they even go down to four? First of all, they're going to win. So well, it doesn't matter. I, I agree with that. I think that it's not really about rankings. It's about how many teams from each conference get in. And if there are two from one conference, then you have to split those teams up, and then you have to mix and match to make the matchups what you want. You know what would be incredibly stupid? If Georgia loses the SEC championship game, Michigan's the number one seed, Ohio State's the number four seed. Well, they won't well, do then, that. They'll, they'll, Michigan will get Bama then. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Alex, I want TCU. Right. Alex. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I want, want TCU or USC. Yeah, just, like, we just want we want no chaos. No chaos. TCU just, wins, USC wins. Not even from a Michigan's perspective. I just don't want to see Alabama and Ohio State in the playoff. Correct. Yeah. Like, screw those right. guys. The committee should be looking for reasons to omit those teams. Yeah, because what they want is fewer eyeballs. I mean, USC is a national brand. Yeah. And TCU. They don't have any fans. You said yesterday they have four fans hey, in OJ. They have more fans than UCLA. Okay. Well, you yeah. just lowered the bar, I they think. Draw, they draw eyeballs on television. <laughs> right. They're a, they're a, they're they a national brand. And TCU is from Texas. Like, they're not the Texas school. But, like, you can get some people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Like, I think if it's, if it's TCU, USC, Michigan, Georgia, I don't think the TV people will be, like, heartbroken. So, so can we just take a second, though, to just talk about how sweet yesterday was in addition to Michigan? So Michigan State loses, and they probably don't make a bowl. Yeah. Yep. Uh LSU loses, which to me, it just was fun to see them lose. Notre Dame loses, yep. which always just feels good in terms of recruit. Like, it was one of those just schadenfreude, beautiful Dabo goes down, like, too. Yeah. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney goes down. Is this down the end of Clemson? And, you know. I think it's I don't think he, I don't think Dabo Sweeney's praying to the same god as Donovan Edwards, apparently. <laughs> Well, you just <laughs> you just broke the equipment again. This is the third time today that we've just uh, Oh my god. Now we have to get a new board. I am so excited. The, uh, no, 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 that was board. that was fair cuz that one had layers. The takes <laughs> the takes have been sufficiently hot. Thank you, Sklars. Uh, if you can't get enough Sklars, hit up their podcast view from the cheap seats. Hit up the Nosebleeds, which is their their show on UFC Fight Pass and hit up their Patreon. Thank you, guys. It's been an amazing season. We love you guys. This is so much fun. Yay. Go Blue. All right. Go Blue. Go Blue. blue. (laughs) All right. So let's get into it. Ryan Day is a coward. And a turtle. True. I mean, I've punched all of these fourth down decisions in to the NFL for a fourth down decision calculator. because Which is how you have to rate Ohio State. Yeah. And I think that's more accurate for Ohio State than many college teams. And it thinks the field goal to go from down 11 to down 8 is basically a coin flip. I'm a little bit surprised I, at that. Yeah, I, I, I thought, mean, the feel at the time was like, ooh, you're kicking a field goal. Yeah, that's, that was like, I was like, this doesn't really get you very much. Yeah. but So that that thinks it's uh, a flip, but uh, fourth and six from the plus 44, that's a clear go for it. Yeah. Fourth and three from the 50, that's a clear go for it. And they had another fourth down they actually went uh, for one of them. They they but went was, for the fourth and two in plus territory, which right. is just outside of field goal so range. Do you and think, that's when they threw it to the tight end. Yeah, do you think that spooked him even more? I mean, I mean, so one thing you they go for it the first time and you don't get it. Yeah, and then the thing about Ryan Day, and this is if you read in the Ohio State circles or you watch Ohio State as much as I do, this is who Ryan Day is. He yeah. is a super conservative coach on fourth down decision making. So he goes for one, he gets burned, doesn't mm-hmm. get it. And I think that pushed him even farther into what he wants to do and convinced him to not break tendency because the one time he tried, he was like, oh, it didn't work. Well, so. when we talked, we talked about his, his third down short team, right? They're abysmal at converting. So I think maybe that changes your equation on a fourth and three. But on a fourth and six, you also happen to have one of the best passing games in America. And that's the crazy part, right? Like all these decisions, if you're Kirk Ferentz, you punt because you have Iowa's offense. Yeah. Yeah. But you have Ohio State's offense. Yeah. What are you doing? And and they, and they can run this game. You have a first-round quarterback. Playing. You have a receiver who's very hard to cover. Like, Well, the, you, the equation on the ground changes because Michigan is so light in the box. Yeah. yeah. 
So they're not going to be that light in the box on like fourth and three or whatever. So so take a shot at your receiver when he's going to get single coverage. I, I mean, mean but, but the whole thing is emotional. I mean, I think it. I think Alex is onto something with that first miss because like the third and three play call is this like swing pitch to the field side mm-hmm. that Michigan plays perfectly, and you're like, wow, I'm glad you didn't throw the ball there. Or but he didn't throw the ball. Run there. it up the gut. But he didn't throw the ball there. So then he freaked out and instead of thinking, oh, we should have thrown the ball there, I'll just throw it on fourth down, he's still spiraling and he punts it. And all these and third that, down calls are so soft I don't, like swings and I think, pitches. I think and, this comes from never playing in these games. Because like even the Oregon game last year that they just got run over, they had to like fight and claw just to be in it. Like Oregon was pulling away in that game, and so you had no choice but to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. Here it's like on the edge, and Michigan's offense isn't quite fully engaged just yet. So he's like, "Well, I still have this in my hand. We're going to stop him again. We're going to get it back." But he does. He's not thinking clearly because. How many times has he had to make these decisions? Well, go back to last year because they were clawing to stay in that game, too, and Michigan was about to pull ahead, and that caused them to go forward on fourth down a bunch. And they make those. I mean, you remember With every miracles. Single... Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, and they weren't even great play calls because I think Michigan actually had them dead to rights a couple times, and they just pulled them out. But, like, that, that forced him to be correct, and that was the reason they scored 27 instead of 17 in that game. Well, yeah. it, it feels like... <clears throat> You know, you often talk about it's fourth and three, so you get, what's your best two-point conversion play? Yeah. And it kind of felt like Ohio State didn't feel that they had anything in that regard. Did they run any pick plays? Like, I don't know. Like, you know those those yeah, little yeah. four-yard out plays yeah, where you run a guy behind? I mean, not really. Yeah, Bielema was still talking about one last night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a different segment. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like... That buzz of the slant by McGregor also played a factor, right? Because that's, mm-hmm. like, that's like, all right, we're the best passing offense in the country where this is what our bread and butter is. And then you're like, oops, that was almost a pick six. And so that kind of gets you into lizard brain mode where you're just afraid and you want to punt. And, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think there are certain guys who get in gambling situations and they just – they're tight weak. And this is a poker term. Which, but a guy who doesn't play very many hands and folds a lot. They're easy. They're pushovers. I think Lloyd Carr was one of those. I think Paul Chris is one of those. And I think Ryan Day, the charges have been alleged. <laughs> well, I mean, they've been building for a little bit of time, if you ask Alex. Well, and the, the thing about all this is that the second or third instance, Stroud is begging to go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's the fourth and sixth. It was, yeah. And that was first and 35. I was yeah. livid Gosh. that they got it to fourth and six because yeah. I'm like, now yeah. they're going to go for it. It's plus territory. That's what I yeah. thought, too. Yep, but it's Ryan Day. No one's on training him, like, at 15 yards downfield. And yep. it's like, and, and, and Stroud is His like, quarterback is yeah. like, so we need to go so, for this. So we, we rewatched that last night, Alex. Did yep. you think that that was a fake punt that he was trying so to set up? So that's something we were going to talk about. The, the punt that they go that happens after that. He, like, starts moving, kind of, Mirko does, before the snap comes in. Well, the snap, and the I think snap the snap was, him. yeah, the snap was And so off. the question is, was that a fake punt? And they biffed the snap. It yeah. might, I mean, they might have had the option for a fake punt there, but with Shields, it's a lot harder well, to run a punt. If they had the rolling. fake punt on, yeah. it would have been blown up by right. a mile. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan was all right had there. two guys yeah. that were outside of everybody yeah. on that side. It's just, if you watch the punts that they did in that game, that one looks a little different than all the other ones. Yeah. And it was, was kind of like... I remember when the snap came, I was like, uh, there was a moment of like, I don't know about this. Yeah, well, yeah what, like, what I have, was... I have a feeling. Yeah, I don't know what, what the story was there. Yeah. I, I mean, 
it, obviously they snapped it wrong, right? But that's also like a really stupid place to go for a fake punt. Right. In that yeah. play, I mean, and, and should you ever attempt a fake field goal or a fake punt when you're Ohio State? No, because Marvin Harrison Jr. is on the sideline. Sure. And all, well, but like, like <laughs> they tried it years ago. Plus 44, fourth and six yeah. is like, I'm, I'm Jay Harbaugh. I know what football is. I'm in punt safe, right? Well, and look what it did to his players. Because like they they pick up a hold, which I think was a tripping penalty, and they just call it a hold, and then and then one of their players headbutts a guy. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Too. And, and <laughs> like, but like that was that that was when the players started to kind of lose their cool. Yeah. And I'm I imagine part of it is your coach saying, "No, I don't believe in you to convert a fourth well, and one, six right here." One theme about this season is that hate finally backfires. Mm-hmm. Right? Because for Lovely. years. For years, we've been playing these teams that are just like, I hate Michigan. I hate everything about Michigan. I'm going to cross out all but one M in this tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to do whatever it needs to do as a Michigan State Spartan to, to screw over Michigan. And this was the year where it finally felt like that was backfiring on them. Because yeah. Michigan State, they have a tunnel incident that's going to be a stain on Mel Tucker's entire career. And They're also... Not very good. <laughs> and yeah, and and <laughs> they focus on Michigan and it doesn't get them anything. And in this game, two critical critical unsportsmanlike conduct plays, one of which nerfs that drive. They have mm-hmm. a first and thirty five. <clears throat> and, and I loved the shot of day after it where he's just like Get him off get the off. Yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah. sticks out a cane and just you know, <laughs> <laughs> right off the stage. Uh so yeah, it, it felt like Michigan has these folks shook. Like they're they're rattled. Well, they panicked. Yeah. The whole team panicked, and that was the thing I went on in the previous segment about Sainer Still is he saw that and he fired up his defense and was like, they don't know what to do. I, I mean, Ohio State they they looked like the better team in the first half. They they don't we don't have Quorum, we don't have Morris. They're moving the ball. They get that great drive at the beginning. They have another drive where they you know whenever they get the ball, it feels like something's going to happen. Yeah, for Michigan's them. hanging on by a thread. And, yeah, yeah, and it. I think Ohio State, maybe part of it was just they didn't expect Michigan to fight back. Like they, It was like that Michigan State basketball game when they said they didn't realize how tough Michigan was. <laughs> well, and so you get, the, you get the Johnson touchdown, and that's a fluke, right? Like, ah, the first one. Michigan's not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. And then the second one is like, well, they're still not doing anything. It's just like they, we got to adjust their defense. But they've exploited something. Right. And so then they adjust their defense. And they're like, oh, we can't. Do both of these. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so then you get that eight-minute drive in the third quarter, and I think that's the point at which you're, they're like, what do we do now? We, we might yeah. not be able to stop them. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm – Which is why you go for it. Well, <laughs> I, they, I, it comes back to, like, how, how they feel. When you hate somebody, you don't respect them. When you hate somebody, you don't see what's good about somebody. This is just true. Uh, I think that's a Michigan State thing. I don't think that's an Ohio State. I I don't know, man. I mean, like, I think I, Ohio State had a hard time identifying what Michigan I, is good I, at. I, I, I subscribe more to but Alex's. That's a, that's a different thing. This is just Ryan Day. This is who. We, I mean, if you watch these games, I mean, he, he, he did against he, he put, did against Penn State. He kicks field goals on like fourth and two against like Rutgers. I mean, yeah. I mean, we we were saying <laughs> that in the like, Penn State game. Yeah, I mean, it's a, this is a long-standing problem, and if you follow enough Ohio State people. But it gets papered over by the fact that they don't have these opportunities. I mean, I've been the biggest Ryan Day skeptic for a long time. And the thing is, like, they just have so much better players than anyone else that Mm -hmm. most all of the time it never matters. Yeah. And then in dicey games, then suddenly it's, you know, exposed (laughs) in a pretty profound way. 
Yeah, I mean, they were in a game against Maryland last week, and it's just like... Yep. But they played it out, and we're like, well, in the end, our talent will win. Well, because... But that's all, what happened. Because, that's what happened at Penn State. Because like, all but one team in the Big Ten, you know, is throwing pick six to Tui Molo, right? <laughs> right, like, yeah. And just, like, fumbling or, you know, turning it over six times. I, I, I mean, mean, look at the end of the Maryland game. Like, the, yeah, the, like the, the final the, score looks good for Ohio State. Yeah, but that's because Zach Harrison breaks yeah. Talia, and, like, you know, Steel yeah. Chambers just runs in from one yard out. Right. And, but, like... What what did they not respect in that game? Maryland's passing game. They didn't see what was good about Maryland. They didn't under. They didn't see that team as somebody that like. Okay, this is what's dangerous about them. They have this value in them. I mean, maybe I just think that Ohio State secondary is just kind of bleh this year. It's come a, a ways in a bad way since like Malik Hooker and Von Bell. And yeah, like they don't have they don't Marshawn have a guy Lattimore who's going to go in the first round of the draft. Yeah. Like neither of those cornerbacks is anything special. Well, well, they they went with Martinez for a bit there too, which was pretty confusing. Yeah, that guy's a quarterback that they got out of Grand Rapids, who was going to be like a you know a JT Barrett style quarterback, and they convert him to safety, and now he's out there getting yeah spun in a circle by Walked. CJ. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are three events we need to talk about. Okay. Number one, clock management at the end of the first half. Mm. Okay. So I was so we're talking about. I'm, they're running the clock. Michigan's a midfield. It's third down, right? That that thing. No, they they get the ball back. They get the ball back with about one thirteen yeah. to go. I think they're at like the thirty or the forty. Their own. They're thirty three. They have one timeout, and Ohio State has two. Right, right. They run a play, then they hurry up to run the next play, and then that one, I think, is yeah. It's like they're facing third and something, third and short ish. Yeah, and they huddle up. They wind the clock down 50, 40, 30, and the whole time Clatt is just screaming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like incessantly, like, what are they doing? Right. They need to hurry up. They need to hurry up. And I was personally in the opinion that they were playing it perfectly. Yeah. That Michigan was outfoxed in that first half. They were in trouble. They needed to get to the locker room and do their voodoo, which they've done all season, and change some things up. And to me, getting to the break down three points was huge. And I didn't want to do anything that risked the chance of giving Ohio State any opportunity to get the ball again in the half. Because they get the ball coming out. Because they get the ball yeah. coming out. I mean, to me, you have the ball. Whoever gets the ball coming out of the half, whatever. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's a possession that someone's going to have. Maximizing that current possession also takes into account disallowing a possession from Ohio State. Yeah. So there's a point at which I think – it makes sense to snap the ball, and it's not immediately because then 50 seconds. It's probably maybe 10 seconds before they snap the ball. Okay. If it, you snap it at 30, you run a play. It's down to 22 or something. They call timeout. You punt. They got what 14 seconds yeah. to do something with it. So I think that they did wait longer than I would have preferred, but I think the overall thrust is about what I would have done. Now they didn't run the play. No, they did run the. They, so what did, happened? Did they there? get that off? What happened? I, I thought have, they so got it I off. Have, I, the Ryan were, Day calls timeout before the the ball is snapped. I, but the whistles don't come until so, JJ is until like ten yards down the field. Play, right. Yeah. So he <clears throat> Day sees that Michigan's got him. Right. They've got this play lined up. JJ's got a clear running lane. He's trying to call timeout, and I guess they grant it to him, but they don't blow the whistles until it's, JJ's. You, you can't grant a timeout if you can't blow the whistle until JJ McCarthy is 15 yards downfield. Yeah. Been, have you been to Columbus? This is how it works. I, I mean, <sighs> honestly, like there were. This was pretty much the only like officiating complaint I had in this game. Right. Well, there was else. another situation. Well, at least well, they didn't I know what. We'll yeah, there was a sideline guy not even flipping his thing over. Yeah. 
Well, so the issue with that is like, so then Michigan's down at the 40 and they got 17 seconds or something left. And they're basically in moody range. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they got a couple of plays and then all of a sudden it's like, nope. And then Michigan's got and then a they start twice. And, yeah, whatever. That, that was point. just such a bizarre situation because Gus and Joel have no idea what's going on. Well, I don't blame them. Well, have I you heard, ever seen that before? Well, I heard the whistles at least and in the middle of the play. And I saw people stopping stop running, yeah. right? And they had no idea. In the stadium, we had no idea. Were blown. Yeah, so yeah. Zero idea. Yeah. There was also zero explanation from the referee until it's third and two, and you're like, why is it third and two? We right. just picked up a first down. Yeah. Also, why did we get eight seconds back on the clock? It was very bizarre. All right, what was the other one? Okay, so number two, the uh, fourth and one on the first drive. We just have to talk about that real quickly because that was a hell of a gutsy call. For, well, we have Michigan punts their first fourth and one. Yeah. Correct. I'm talking about the one on the first drive you, of the second half do you where think, they tempo and they go with Edwards up right. the gut. Yeah. Do you think that they the punt on the first one is correct? Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> that was I think perfectly it, I think it's close. So the problem is that is was that, on their half of the field, right? Yes, yes. So the problem with that is what does Michigan usually do in those situations? Quorum. Right. And they and on third down they run Mullings and gets nailed. They and and they actually you know Alex had this too last night. They actually move the defensive tackle, but yeah, the, the linebackers, linebackers the just yeah. sell out yeah. and hit him in the backfield. So, so I, now what are you calling on fourth and one? So I was team punt there because <laughs> the whole make them drive the length of the field thing. Yeah, I Which guess. is then in reverse why I still was okay with the other fourth and one they go for because... Where was that on the field? I don't remember. Exactly. 34, right? It was, it was basically it was, the same It was place. the first you know, down out of halftime. Yeah, it was, it was the drive that they score on the, the Loveland touchdown. touchdown. Yeah. yeah. That was closer, wasn't it? It wasn't like a fourth They're and like both half about a yard. It was like, give or take. Yeah, because uh, like I thought they were going to come out and measure it, and they they just well, what they did there is they went tempo, they tempo, yeah. It, yeah. So they didn't allow the big boys to get on the field, and then Edwards actually takes it off. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. which is fine, and he gets like two yards. So yeah, it wasn't he close. almost got hit in the backfield was, though because the cornerback, he? Well, the he had, cornerback he had, comes off the edge, uh, and he like, had, he just had to find the right gap because yeah. it wasn't the a gap. He had to go off the right side, <clears throat> but it felt like for me the right thing to go for there, even though I was. You know, make them drive the length of the field simply because if I felt like if they punted that first drive of the half, we were in trouble. Bad. The only yeah. like <laughs> the entire environment in the stadium changes. Yeah. So I like that one. The last one is the Moody fifty-seven yarder. I was honestly a little bit surprised they tried that. I was expecting a punt there. I, what did you want? What did you want? I think I wanted a punt. I did too. Because well, they're up eleven, so the field goal doesn't really gets you a whole lot. Well, it's, it takes it from one and a half scores to two scores and two yes, touchdowns. It does. And the only touchdowns it's that they gave up. It's still two touchdowns, but it's like overtime versus losing. It also guarantees Moody the... Uh, mo- the uh, the Groza. <laughs> and at that point, you're up 11 on Ohio State, and you got no. so So is so. It, <laughs> so if, if he's, hit, he's hit bombs his whole career. Is this the situation where, I don't know if it's Jay Harbaugh or, or Jim or whoever, but you go to Moody and you're like, where are you good from? Tell me, I need to know. This is a. I trust you. You've been the like kicker for four years. And a half. Are you are you fine from this? Do you have this or do you not? And if you don't, we'll punt it fine. And if he says you have it, do you trust him? And then you're just like fine. Even if you trust him, that's a low percentage kick. Yeah, that's. A I, low I, I think if they were setting. I up think a going goal. from seven to ten is worth it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if going from eleven to fourteen is worth it. Mm-hmm. But then again, like how much field position are you sacrificing? Did you there? did like you plug yards? did you plug this one in? Or did we not plug? This I didn't in? plug it. Okay, because I wondered if that was pretty. Because at the same time, you're you're punting from the from the plus thirty nine. I think I might kick it if Nordine is the kicker. 
because his leg was just such a rocket launcher. I mean, Moody hit a 56-yarder this year. Yeah. I, I think they set themselves up for this because the down before that is third and long. And then J.J. runs it. They pulls. They, gets he pulls. The outside. And, and I think the idea was to get J.J. J. like yeah. six, seven yards, yeah. which then is a 53, 54-yard yeah. field goal. And that was yeah, I think low 50s I kick it for sure. Yeah. But 57 is such a low percentage kick for me. Whereas What was the yardage there? To fourth go. and nine. Fourth and nine. From the from the plus thirty nine. Yeah. Going for it is not a I wouldn't have gone. For it. I, I don't I know about going for it. it but. I mean you are up eleven, right? So I think that you look at that and you think punting is ridiculous because even if you unless you can pin them inside the I mean, five in a, a play or two, you you they get back there the way that Ohio State's offense in general has worked. So you can't really go so then or you can't really punt. So then do you go fourth and nine? Holy cow, like we don't we haven't had like those kinds of chunk plays. Yeah. It's either a big play or it's sort of like they, they get a scramble. So now you're back to field goal. And it's just the whole thing just keeps spinning in a circle. And yeah. at one point it feels like with the best kicker in the country, maybe this is the play. I think it's one of those decisions that's probably very, like, very close. There was no good option. 34, really. 33, 33. I, yeah. I, I liked how Rich Rod used to just have his, kick, his uh, quarterback ready to pooch punt it right Did there. Did you see that happen last night? USC Notre Dame. Oh, Caleb Kate Williams Kelly. pooched it. Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah. I love that. I, we haven't seen that in a while. But you no. love those things in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you love you love the, 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 the look on his face was very much the sickest guy. <laughs> you, you love the guy that runs up the sideline with his arm in the air. Yeah, those, those are the best parts of football. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is not a football guy. <laughs> no. Well, no, we've we've been challenged to athletic competitions. And it's not just oh, stepped golf. up. Hey, all right. I, yeah. I take this personally. Okay. Pick a sport. I well, I would have put. I tried to like substitute you in for me, but he was he was convinced that yeah, like you, I was. You need to start talking shit to him, and then, yeah, uh, yeah. There's a reason why he doesn't know I exist. But he didn't part of the reason. He didn't that's want probably, my disc golf game. Probably for the best. This is my point. People who know my disc golf game were, were like. Laughing at that one up. My disc golf game is the worst ever. People literally have to duck when they're behind me. Well, that's that we can fix. I I'm <laughs> so bad at disc golf. Well, I throw left-handed because <clears throat> my right hand is so bad. <laughs> so Ryan Day Turtles and Harbaugh mostly gets it right. Yeah, I mean, I thought there were some uh, decisions that were pretty close either way. I don't think there were a lot of like real obvious ones that went either way. Uh, and then Day is just like, what are you doing? He just doesn't know what he's doing because <clears throat> yeah. he's not in these situations. And Alex is right. He is a turtle. Well, we get to find out what happens when Ryan Day gets punched in the face twice now. So let's talk about that for just a second. There are going to be people clamming or clamoring for his head. There already are. Right. There were last year. Have because you been he lost on the Ohio game. State message boards? Right. They so, are. Right. But, you know, last year it was an overreaction. And this year, it's probably still an overreaction. This guy wins 90% of his games. I don't know. If I was Gene Smith, I'd fire him. But, like, yeah. and then as a Michigan fan, what do you think? Because, like, James Franklin is the perfect Penn State coach, right? Like, he's going to recruit. He's going to get everyone thinking, oh, we're going to be a good yeah. program. They're going to go 10 and 2 and get blown But Michigan's Michigan. going to crush him 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Every time in Ann Arbor. And then, you know. Michigan's pulled multiple out against him in... Well, he recruits good coordinators because he's not one himself. Right. So, so that's good. But is having the right Ohio State coach has to be slightly a level up. Because right. if you need John Cooper. Because he, yeah. if he's lower than that, he's gone. Yeah. So you need him to be successful enough, but can he outcoach 
Harbaugh. How badly do you think Urban Meyer is st- <laughs> is like so knocking on the door again? Like, do, do you think he wants that? I don't know. Urban didn't get fired though; he quit. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. You got, don't you don't think so? No, I think I that, mean, that was a we we can't we can't fire him because he's Urban Meyer and he owns us, and we also have to fire him. Uh, or we're going to be because he to- he sheltered a domestic abuser. Yeah, yeah. I don't know I mean, how shameless Ohio State is. I know how shameless Michigan State is. Yeah, I know that like, would not prevent Michigan know. State from hiring him. I think Ohio State does hold themselves to a higher standard, at least the university itself. Yeah, but like yeah. the truth is, is that those thing, people forget about those things in three years. I don't think that I don't think this one is one you forget about. Okay. All right. I, that that maybe that's I, true. I think that the people in charge of Ohio State are the ones standing in the way of that, and I think that Urban Meyer is still sitting there going, "Like, you sure, you guys?" Because that, that's fine. Who else is on the table then? Fickle. So, no, he's not. He's he going might to be Wisconsin. going to Wisconsin. It doesn't matter. I saw this on Twitter. He signs a deal in like Tennessee's or Georgia. Le- what is yeah, it? Yeah, he's Georgia Leary. It. And then he just yeah. And ev- nobody nobody looks at it twice. Nobody's like, now. Okay. Uh, so what do you think of Fickle then? I don't know. I don't have a major take on Fickle. He's I just already put this on the record because I saw it on the Twitter. The one guy that you and I talked about, you've brought, I think you brought up a couple times that does a little bit worry me. No, this isn't what Lance I was going to say. I was going to I was no. going to throw out the the fun one I, I saw on Twitter. You know who went to Ohio State and is currently unemployed? Uh lots of people. A lot of Big 10 <laughs> coaching experience. Uh I don't know. Bo Pelini. Uh <laughs> So the guy, the guy that that we we talked about this right, and the guy that does make me a little bit nervous. You're, you're worried about him. Well, I'm not worried, but he does make me think. Is Mike Vrabel? Yeah, I saw that, but now I'm not saying he leaves Tennessee because he might not. And the Titans have been a pretty good, well-run organization that is competing in the AFC. So is it, maybe that's what he wants to do. But if that's an option, I don't know. Would you rather have Ryan Day? If they want a hardball, that's the way to go. Well, yep. the, the, okay, the issue there is that does Mike Vrabel want to go coach at Ohio State after Ryan Day gets axed for losing four games in four years? And, Why not? Because he's got so much talent there, and every coach believes that he's uh, God's gift to football. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just comes down to is he an Ohio State guy or, or is he an NFL guy? That's true. I mean, also, if he's only been coaching in the NFL, is that an upgrade? Well, I mean – that's sort of because th- that's their current situation, right? They're too much of an NFL team. But he was at Ohio State as a, as an assistant, and how long ago court. was that? How long has he been with the Titans? He's been the head coach there for a, a handful of I, years now. I think Mike Frabel has a little bit of if we go back to the football guy thing more than Ryan Day. Yeah, Frabel is a football yeah. guy. Yeah, right. And like even though he's been in the NFL a long time, you know Jim Harbaugh was in the NFL, and his you know coordinators were in the NFL. Yeah, like, yeah but the way Jim Harbaugh in the, it was in the NFL was like I'm a college coach in the NFL. Sure, he's sure. running college. Well, Kaepernick. he was. But that's I mean, why I say Frabel is the is the Harbaugh version of uh, it's is the Ohio State version of getting Jim Harbaugh because he is that kind of guy. Okay, but the issue with Jim Harbaugh is that they were going to fire him anyway. Yeah. The 49ers were going to ax Jim Harbaugh. You know, <coughs> Tennessee Titans are not going to ax Mike Rabel. No. And and he's I mean, he's got Derrick Henry, they have a good line, they have a solid defense. I mean, they it's not like he's in a situation. Also, that division is awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Colts, Jaguars, Texans, I mean, like, you're going to be in the playoffs every year. And they drafted a young quarterback who was very developmental, which, like, that assumes your coach is going to stay, right? Like, uh, you don't draft I mean, Malik Willis if... I, yeah. I don't, I don't know what in. the is, situation is with the ownership re- and stuff Realistically, like that. Ryan Day is not getting fired after not this yet. season. 
He right, loses but next like, year. If he's coaching for his job. I mean, if he loses next year, next he's year. he's pushing John Cooper. So he made the comment in the end of like John Cooper. I, he would have to go one eight and one. Well, I know, the rest but of like career. his standards have Cooper. changed to some degree, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, you're not hold. <laughs> but like, you don't get you don't get I nine shots if I you lose your first seven. You, yeah. He's not going, you know, one and eight against Michigan. <clears throat> no, he will be fired long before yeah. that happens. Yes, even if that he doesn't be, lose that will to be another amazing school. if they go eleven and one next year and he loses in Michigan and he gets the axe. Uh, I mean, like, it's just gets. It's only going to get louder. Is, I mean, is this? Did this not hurt their recruiting? That now two years in a row you can't beat Michigan. I don't like, know. To some degree, I mean, I think that well, their their recruiting class this year is not as good as normal. It's still excellent, but they have but to it's, stay it's, up with it's Georgia and Alabama. It's number five. It's not number one anymore. Number two, which well, to Ohio State people is a big deal. There's a guy on yeah. the field that was visiting Ohio State that committed to Michigan after the game. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't have an offer from Ohio State. Yeah, he went, it wasn't yet, but... Shh. Don't ruin my narrative. Neither did Rod Moore. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that, like... I'm saying that, like, Ohio State needs to be recruiting with Georgia and Alabama to use the... To have, like, they need... Tui Lowell, like, he is a amazing player, and he's going to wreck things next I mean, he year. He didn't do anything in this game. No, he was put in 60 minutes of hell by Carson Barnhart. <laughs> <laughs> Credit Thixtauskas uh, on Twitter for that one, but I—I <laughs> I mean, realistically, Ohio State is going to be at this level where they're going to play Michigan, and if they beat Michigan, they're going to be in the playoff. Yeah. So, I mean, they might still be in the playoff. Is—is are you gonna gonna pull the Nebraska here with Frank Solich? Well, but and, that's like that's not good enough, but, even though it's better than everybody else. That's their program history. I know. But this, is, this is who they are. I mean, Mi- no, Michigan's- that's not. C.J. Stroud says you shouldn't be defined by one game, and people and, and people were not happy about that at all. Just don't don't remember me badly. I never beat Michigan, but that should not be who I who I am. Well, I mean, like, well, C.J. Stroud. Who are you talking to there, C.J.? When C.J. Stroud's in the NFL and he's going into Ohio to play the the Bengals or the Browns, he's going to need like a military escort, right? Like, <laughs> how is this not a recruiting thing against Ohio State? How many players have they had? Where like their fans just make their lives miserable because they screw up one time. It's like Yankee 50- syndrome, you know. Yeah. Where it's just like they're the they're the big name, and so that's what you grow up. You're like, oh, they're in the playoff all the time, but hopefully not this year. I mean, you made a joke on Twitter yesterday that I think's got a lot of merit to it. Where you come to Michigan offensive line, and people about, don't know your name. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. wasn't that wasn't a joke. That wasn't a joke. It's, I, that's real, though. Yeah. People know Carson Barnhart, and I mean, you know, we have a part, a role in that. But so does Sam Webb, and like that's what Michigan fans are. They want to know what happened, and what happens goes on in the line too. I don't know if Ohio State fans recognize how good Paris Johnson was. He was awesome in this game. Well, I know one thing about Dewan Jones. Yeah. So, I, that's, that's that boy can't are. block Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> I thought you, I thought you were going to talk about him uh, him tearing up at the end there. No, like, yeah, Ohio yeah, State fans were passing that along. Like, hey, look, here's our player who's crying because he lost the Ohio Michigan game, and they're making fun of him. So the one underrated thing about Miserable this bastards. is that going into next year's game, there will be very few, if any, Ohio State starters who ever beat Michigan going into that game, right? Because yeah. they don't start five-year players at Ohio State. Yeah, They haven't beat Michigan since the pandemic started. Yep, since 2019. Go COVID! So <laughs> maybe that's what needed, we needed for this rivalry. So the more like a global fun-demic. The other, <laughs> the other one I do want to... We're going in a lot of directions here. The other one, so, well, there's a quote. <laughs> I do want to point one other thing out about this. So Michigan 
very recently. We haven't talked about recruiting on the podcast because it's been choppy. But um, it's also been football season. <clears throat> yes, um, Michigan is orienting their twenty four class to be a heavy play into Ohio, and they're setting it up in twenty three by taking these low level three star diamond in the rough type guys to build that bridge. So they get a guy on Friday from Cincy uh, who is a kind of linebacker type guy, Breon Ishmael. Yesterday they get a corner from the Cincy area, I believe. Maybe it was Dayton, one of the two. It was Cincy. And they've got two more guys they're thinking of taking from Youngstown. And then you look at their targets in 24, and the ones especially the leaning towards them, a lot of them are in Ohio. And they haven't really recruited Ohio much since Hoke, basically. Yeah. Under Harbaugh, not much. But this is their new play. And now you win in Columbus. Only going to help. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was early in this game when Zach Harrison's making plays. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just I thought back to he was a recruit. Michigan was going to get him, well, and then one of those Don. No, I mean in theory. It was the two No, he was he was. This is. Do you think that he was actually going to pull the trigger? Yes. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam told me he was going to pull the trigger. He saw that Michigan Ohio State game, and he's like, "All they had to do was beat Ohio State. All they had to do was <laughs> like be competitive." Yeah. Yeah. And that well, was one of the, wasn't his family getting like threats and stuff. The, I mean, that's not going to help Ohio yeah. State. I mean, probably. it also didn't help that Madison bailed a couple weeks later. No. Well, but but that was, that was no no that was one of the Don Brown. It was 2018. No, it was 2018. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was part of the story because then people were like, "Oh, did Madison tell him not to go," which I think is BS. But no, like, whatever. But like Michigan kind of had a you know, a, a really down moment. And in that moment, Harrison was like, well, okay, I'm going to go to Ohio State. Because yeah. Dax he wanted wobbled to for game. a minute, too, and then came back. So yeah. you he were wobble for a minute. He, he committed, he committed yeah. to Alabama. Yeah, and then Sam's like, well, uh, don't worry about it, but I and can't tell you And somehow that was correct. <laughs> well, that has got to be the most, un- like, a kid flips to Alabama, and you're like, well, that sucks. Probably and then it's like, because he knows something is my I mean, guess. I know, right. but, like, yeah. how, how often does that happen? You know? Never. So anyway, there was a moment when Zach Harrison, you never well, really finished your. Well, thoughts, he's right? just like making plays, and I'm like, that's why we can't win this game because we didn't like we lost this game before. We haven't been able to recruit to have Zach Harrison on this team. Can you imagine Zach Harrison on this team? That would be nice. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, put him well, in a weak side in. Oh it my wasn't God. just the beginning of the game. the The last Edwards run, I think, he was the one who was actually making up ground on Edwards at the end. There, he's going full out. He is running full out at the end of the play. Look at the rest of Ohio State. And and that one guy was just I'm, – I'm sure the NFL is going to notice. So, so in 2018, did you any of you think that Zach Harrison was going to be in college for four years? Uh, I mean, sometimes that happens. You don't, you don't know. He was kind of he a Taco like, Charlton type. Where no, he's he like was a, a top like, – I know, but he was he's a super athlete who needed some time to get refined. And I, I think that – you know, we're seeing him in the refined state, and I think he's a pretty good player. I, I, I think he would have started for Michigan last year instead of Ojabo at no, first. No, no. And then Ojabo would have sure. come. Yeah. I mean, I mean at the beginning I think, of the year, Ojabo uh, was not a starter. They were starting Harrell. That, that would have been a Mike Dana situation where you got three guys at play. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying maybe you maybe you hold on to Ojabo because he's not getting as many well, that's a good moments. Point. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, that. but that was Michigan's last moment, but also that was – the last iteration of Harbaugh where some of the 2018 guys on the team were not the football guys. And I think that Zach Harrison is, and I think that's why they loved him. Hmm. And well, there are a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the guys that this program is starting to love are those kinds of guys. Yeah, and he, wow. was, he was another guy that I think they identified as like, 
you know, they lost George Kalaftis. That was another guy they really loved, right? Um, and we, thought, get, we he, get revenge on that this Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is his brother still on that team, too? I like, think so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, the, the guys that Michigan really targets, and they don't, haven't always won them, but, like, Harrison was one, Kalaftis was one, Hutchinson was, you know, he was a program guy. Probably going to come. Yeah. Um, but, like, Michigan targets them, these guys, and uh, Coram. I mean, yeah. Coram is – that's how they build their program. And they're going to get some of these guys now, I think, well, because Corum, they've gone to the playoffs twice. Where, yeah. And Georgia builds that way too. Well, they also had so much chaos, right? So there's been this total turnover, and mm-hmm. they just need to, like, get some people in who are just going to be like, I don't care what Jim Harbaugh's like. This is where I'm going to be. I mean, get Courtney Morgan back. Just do whatever you need to do to get that recruiting room consistent. Yeah, and just have guys who are there for multiple years for long periods of time who are really. I mean, are there guys on the staff that you're looking at and saying this guy could leave? I think we're going to see some people come after some players, some some guys. Sharon Moore will get looks. I think you get one more year with him, but it'll be interesting because he's he's the he's a first year second half OC. Yeah, well, that's true, but like he was he was half OC last year. Technically, yeah. if, so. if if you're but he has a title now, right? He's got the title. He's going to win the Moore Award twice. They're going to have to rename the thing after him. Yeah, that was we are, he already made that a hot take. Yeah, uh, no, it's not even a hot take anymore. It's just the it's Shrone cooled Moore. off. We're calling it the like Shrone all Moore of our takes because <laughs> we cannot come up with anything hot anymore. Uh, well, I feel like I mean Weiss obviously isn't in a level. I don't think he's ever going to be like head coach type. I think he's probably like a lifelong OC. And then yeah, I I might worry about like a an NFL team saying, "Hey, do you want to be our OC?" Kind I mean, of thing. You see Mike Hart get an OC job somewhere, that kind of thing. But I think I mean, is he the successor to Moore, or they try to hold on to Moore for as long as they can? I think you look at this offensive line, and and like you should make Sharon Moore probably the highest paid OL coach in America. You can do that slash OC slash OC. Yeah, yeah. But like the problem is then, it's, does he want to just run the show? Well, you yeah, can, yeah, that you will can be say, Sharon, if you want to be the head coach in Michigan, stick around three more years. We're going to pay you. And, you know, when we get to that point, your name's going to be on the top of the list. Unless, you know, as long as you're coaching the way you are. Because he's a recruiter, too. Like, Sharon Moore, you, what you want to do with Sharon Moore is you want to make it so that if he leaves, it's for a head job. Mm-hmm. Because you can't stop that, right? Yeah. Yep. But you want him in a position where it's like, should I take the Cincinnati job? And then you're like, yeah, go do that. Stanford um, job. What about um, Bellamy? I I mean he's he hasn't really been in college for more than a year or two, right? I think this is his second year. Second year. He's, so like, yeah, he's very new to college, but he's also a guy who ran West Bloomfield. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very, saying. Well, like, yeah, he's he's a guy with the organizational skills. I think to be a head coach in the future. To I don't think he's going to be a coordinator for a while. Though. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like this staff is very young. Yeah. So they need to put in some time before people are going to come after him. And Maybe, but that's just – I mean, look at NFL coaches now. They're all that age. Like you start looking around – not all of them, but you start looking at where when NFL jobs open up, yeah. they're not 65-year-olds always anymore. Now it's a bunch of guys – I mean, the dude at the the Eagles I think is pretty young. The guy at the Dolphins like looks like he's probably younger than me. And it's just this – Staley, the guy in with the Chargers. I mean, so I – I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that finally football is starting to figure out that all the kids that grew up playing Madden might <laughs> know what they're doing. Well, I, I feel like it's just going to take another couple of years before anyone's going to come and like poach. Okay. Because you're also seeing a big sort of gap between <coughs> available money. So 
if a Mac team comes in and offers someone an OC or a DC job, they might have to take a pay cut to take that. Mm. And that is a situation that would be pretty hard, especially if you're going into a program that doesn't have a lot of expectation of success. You know what uh, is our greatest gift here to protect Sharon Moore? Go ahead. Tell every team what happened the last time someone hired a Michigan offensive coordinator. (laughs) (laughs) Just convince everyone that Sharon Moore is a puppet of Jim Harbaugh. I think that has to be pretty delicate because if I'm Sharon Moore, I'm like, this is offensive. (laughs) But I do. Also, if Fickle's leaving Cincy, please hire Brian Hartline, Cincinnati. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Do Do it. Do it. I don't know. Doesn't that fat start to fast track him to replace Ryan Day then? Well, I don't care. Whatever. I want to win now. Yeah. Did, did you see his his speech before this? this oh game? yeah. Heartline. Yeah. 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 No. He's like they they made fun of our quarterback. Three hundred sixty-five days. We've been yeah. Preparing. We've been preparing. It was only three hundred sixty-five. Just not days. for passes over the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, he only does the yeah. wide receivers. Well, he's the guy that didn't really perform. Like, Harrison had a couple catches, and then Igbuka did a little bit, but he also dropped a lot of balls. Like, their their drop-off there was uh, quite severe. So are you, are you not as high on Harlan? No, no I still I, am. No, I was G- GTFO, bro. Well, <laughs> and, and Ohio State's wide receiver play went, like, crazy up the moment he became yeah. the wide receiver's coach. And also the previous, recruiting. And the previous guy who was wide receiver's coach yeah. was... Zone 6? Was uh, Zach Smith, so... Wasn't that it? Zone 6? That was, that was a very... Big upgrade, but like they're, oh they're recruiting it. Which Imagine we're protecting a domestic abuser, and it's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> some chud. And then you, and then you finally oh. get rid of him, and you replace him with a generational wide receivers coach, who's yeah. like, oh yeah, all the guys I touch are going to be like. And that's the worry about day, top right? fifteen pick. About well, what? About day, right? Is that anytime you're like, haha, yeah, let's get this guy out of here. Or he's not going to have a job or whatever, and then you're like. Oh well, he. I mean, he. Missed. I mean, that was Trestle. Trestle's out, and they bring in Urban Meyer. You're like, oh. well, I mean, he missed so bad on on Kerry Coombs that I think that really colors how you have to perceive him because Kerry Coombs is obviously an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he is obviously a dumbass. He's not very well loved among coaching circles. Not no high school coaches like him because he takes care of them, but the right. college but like, coaches are not very. Nice. All you have to do is look it. what that guy did to a very good defense in one year, and I refuse to believe that you can be in a, a building with him every day and not pick up on the fact that he's an idiot. I mean, I Unless think you yourself are kind of an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a case to be made that Day attributes most of his success to Brian Hartline, right? Like this passing offense, what has allowed it to be so incredible? Yeah getting these receivers and that's that's and, and the pass blocking well, the, like the, 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 the pass blocking. quarterbacks a lot of pieces to it good. and and he can and they can take credit for the quarterback Georgia making but. a very bad decision about Justin Fields or not no they just, uh, they let, let him near the racists who go to their baseball games that, that was it oh yeah <laughs> well good he transferred to Ohio State so that wasn't much of an improvement <laughs> well but i mean they won a title so yeah i know but uh, i I still think they probably could have pulled it off with Justin Fields. So. Maybe. Yeah, I think he was better than – didn't they choose Jacob Eason over him? No, it wasn't Eason. It was um, the guy from Jake. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm, Fromm. State Farm, yeah. Yeah, Fields was better than him. <sighs> I mean, doesn't that kind of go to Day's conservatism that, like, he's worried about losing Kerry Coombs because 
that's who recruited all of his five-star cornerbacks. I don't know. I just, like, it just feels like... If I lose then, this guy, I'm, they're all going to go to the NFL on me. And honestly, hiring Knowles is kind of like a... We'll see how it works out. He obviously improved their defense a lot. But Big 12 defensive coordinator, if you look at his history... He has mostly mediocre defenses, and then he has one really good year at Oklahoma State. So they, they had two back-to-back years where their D-line was awesome. And yeah. they were and very have, good this year. When you have an awesome D-line, it can paper over many things. And so we, you think? You look <laughs> You're at, saying this to Michigan? To you look at this, and he's, he's zero blitzing <laughs> on these downs, and he's getting burned in multiple games, as Alex noted. Like, I think it's an open question about whether that was actually a good idea higher or if it was just like, you know, you look at you look at the stats one year and you're like pointing a finger. Which is what Michigan did with did with Don Brown. Which is But Don Brown was a schematic fit for what Ohio State was doing at, at the time. time. Which yeah. is but what you just said is how Ohio State recruits too. Because if you hire Jim Knowles, you're bringing him from the Big 12. That's not necessarily a schematic fit, right? Like yeah. he's been stopping offenses that are very much not Michigan's offense. And not even that well until the year before he got hired. Like, decently solid, but not and, third in the nation. And you, and you don't want to make the Don Brown comparison. He was having great defenses at BC for multiple years. Yeah, he was he was established as a guy. Yeah, and he, he did it at UConn. He did it at Maryland. Like, he, he was a guy that people knew about, and they're like, there's no way you're going to get him out of the Northeast. God, I remember I, I did a... Uh I did a event at New York shortly after his hire, and I was like, this is what he does against mobile quarterbacks. And then who was Clemson's quarterback at the time? Like, Taj Boyd? I think it was maybe the guy before no, that. it was... Um, it would have been still Deshaun at that it was, point. It was Deshaun Watson. Watson. Yeah. And I'm like, so this is what... And then this is what Deshaun Watson at Clemson did. 450 <laughs> yards passing. But, you know, it's Ohio State, so they don't really do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that was how day one them over was that he came in with his like let's let's do some nfl passing concepts yeah. and you know in 2018 they shred michigan with it 2019 they shred michigan with it and it's like yeah ryan day had coached with don brown before he knew exactly what his defense was yeah good I, at. Won- I wonder if kevin wilson factors into this at all either because like everybody's like oh they got kevin wilson he was really good at, at indiana but doesn't their short yardage approach look like indiana is he still there Kevin yeah, Wilson is still there. Realistic. I don't think that he's calling the plays. I know, right? but but like if his offensive philosophy is filtered <laughs> down so much that their third down is like, okay, let's throw a swing pass, let's pitch it outside, let's do anything that doesn't look like running it up the gut very much, then he he develops tackles and I know the but, tackles are awesome. But, I mean, but he's doing what he's doing the thing just in terms like, of just in terms into. of approach. Like they don't want to they don't run want to run power on third and three, even though. No, but they, they kind of Greg Madison him. They're like, you know, yeah. you're going to be an important part of this. And then, like, they give him his little piece, and that's all he gets to run. Well, any last thoughts, guys? Michigan beat Ohio State by this, more than last this year. This is the first time, I believe, that Michigan has beaten Ohio State by multiple scores. I saw this since, I think, 47 and 48. Mad magicians. That was the year Craig Ross was born. I can't tell if you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh... Go Blue. And I guess we're going to talk to Jamie. Go Blue. Oh, there's other football games to talk about. It can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. 
thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for return lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at MichiganLawGrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. There's only one game. The, okay, the SEC championship game. No. The I, Big 12 championship game. No. We're going to go on Ticket IQ <laughs> because it's important to say the sponsor's name. Ticket IQ is the sponsor's name. It's the sponsor's name. And here's the trick for Ticket IQ. The they trick. let you sort by best deal. Okay. And there's quite a few good ones because I think that there was probably another school that thought they were going to this oh, thing. Oh, we're going to see some ticket dumping here. Yeah, it's just starting about now. It's Sunday night, and usually Sunday, Monday is when they start putting them online and they start getting a little nervous. Because they've woke up from their hangover. That's right. Yeah. And and when they do that, you can sort by best deal and actually find some pretty good ones. There's a section 624, row 13 for 171 right now. There's row 5 for $360. Wow. You know, midfield. So there are some things that are popping up because people bought these tickets ahead of time, and now Whoopsie they doopsie. 
kind of they they had some confidence uh. that they would be going to Indianapolis. All right, like I, like I did. And on Ticket IQ, the price you see is the price you get. Exactly. No convenience fees. No, we hate you fees. No fees that you don't see when you see the ticket price. There's some fees built in because they are a business, but it's not secret fees. No, you're not getting scammed here. They, Unlike some other sites. And they use those fees to pay like advertisers. Yeah, like, like us. us. So go to Ticket IQ. We welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing great, guys. You know, I never thought I would see a better second half out of Michigan in the Michigan-Ohio State game than we saw last year. And it took less than a calendar year for me to see a better one. Oh, my God. Very satisfying, especially living here in Ohio. So I think we're... Closing in on hour three of this podcast, but I can't, we, fine. we cannot let you. I don't mean, worry about it. You've been doing hey, this for years. Raise your hands if you yeah. mind, people who we are listening. Don't, <laughs> we don't like talk to you about the Michigan game because we I get it. Hey, that's why. I, that's but why no, I no, no. Here, here, we would like you to deploy all your takes you have about the Michigan game just to lead this segment. Oh, okay. Well, it's extremely satisfying. I know that we all have shared reasons as to why this was a satisfying win, but we also each have unique reasons um, for it. Mine, I live here in Ohio, and the narrative and the drumbeat every single day was, last year was the best thing that could happen to Ohio State football, that the Giant has been reawoken, and that Michigan only won because of their magical coordinators who both left in the offseason. <laughs> and also the myth of the fifth and sixth year players from last year. Apparently that was all that was on the Michigan team. But I just want to focus more on the fact that it was supposed to be the best day, the best thing that could happen to Ohio State football. Do we have any updates on that? How's that going? <laughs> I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Uh, I don't feel that worked out. And I think the last thing I'll, I'll say is that, you know, in sports, sometimes it takes forever to change. And sometimes things change in a blink of an eye. It took Michigan forever to get to the top of the mountaintop, meaning finally toppling Ohio State. And despite the offseason rhetoric coming from Columbus, we didn't realize it. They certainly didn't realize it, but things had changed in a blink of an eye. The rivalry had changed. After Michigan struggled that whole first half, they figured their shit out at halftime. And before that fourth quarter even started, it was Ohio State who was being chased by the Michigan ghosts, by the ghosts of their failure from last year. And it hung on them that whole second half. There were at least three different back-to-back play segments that I thought yesterday illustrated that. I'm not going to go into those details. I'll do that on Twitter. I'm sure you've broken all these plays down, but you could just see their soul being taken from Michigan. And that Mike Sanistrill pep talk that he gave between the third and fourth quarter breaks about that's who they are. That's who they've been. Okay. That's who they've been for a couple of years. And they need to do a lot more changing if they want to get back into this ballgame. All right. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, moving on to the action in the Big Ten this week. We'll start with Purdue 30, Indiana 16. Thanks to an Iowa loss that puts Purdue in the Big Ten championship game opposite Michigan. Yardage pretty equal. Dext, uh, Derek, De- who's Williams? What's Dexter his? Williams. Dexter Williams yeah. goes out 46 seconds in with a pretty brutal-looking inter- in- injury. Connor Bazelak returns 201 yards on 42 attempts, so very dink and dunk. Aiden O'Connell, 290 on 29. Devin Mockaby goes for 99 yards on 15 carries. Has actually been fairly productive on the ground in the past, let's say, a month. Yeah. And Charlie Jones gets a big play and 
Indiana's up 7-3 early in this game, actually into halftime, and then Purdue kind of puts them on them in the second half. Yeah, boy, yeah. Watching an Indiana quarterback getting hurt on the first possession of the ball game, that, that's, that's what we call football, football tradition in Southern Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> actually, overall, despite that, it was probably one of Indiana's best performances of the year on offense, and I think that kind of bodes well going into next week's game for Michigan. Uh, Indiana gained 59% of its available yards. Their best effort in a Power 5 game previous to that was 48% against Maryland. And their second best was they somehow put up 40% against Illinois. Um, Indiana, 89th in the country in EPA per rush, minus 0.04 EPA per rush. They were 0.20 yesterday against Purdue. That bodes really well. And that's without Williams kind of changing the equation because Basilak doesn't run at all. Absolutely, absolutely. That that sort of took a weapon off the chessboard for Indiana. They ended up with a 51% success rate yesterday rushing the football. They were 32.8 coming into the game, 100th in the country. Now, you know, the quarterback for Indiana went out. Purdue played again without Branson Dean, one of their top run stoppers in the middle. So we'll have to see his injury status. But he has not played for a couple weeks now, so he, he might be out-out. Uh, certainly they don't have the depth to overcome an injury like that, especially going up against the Michigan team. I do want to throw one thing out here. Indiana tried a, a fake kickoff, uh, or a kickoff return, rather, uh, mm-hmm. after Purdue had scored a touchdown to go up 17-7. Jamie, do you have a take on that uh, that decision? <laughs> Not really. It was fun to watch. <laughs> it was a, it was Wait, a what happened? It didn't work well. Um, it was a, it was they were trying the the play that Michigan tried against Maryland last year, right? The throw yeah, across yeah, the oh, field. Oh, that's right, and it wasn't complete. Yeah. It I wasn't complete, yeah. Yeah, it uh it was something. <laughs> I mean, you know, throw it all out in a rivalry game, right? <laughs> it act, you know, And Alex, it was part of a third quarter and overall second half that was really frustrating for Indiana. They, they gained 183 total yards during three drives and came up with just three points. Yeah. And Purdue was able to extend the lead during that stretch. That fateful special teams play that you just mentioned was during that stretch as well. Um, so, so, you know. And that was an enjoyable win for Michigan because – I mean, to me, Illinois is a much better team than Purdue to face in the Big yes. Ten Championship game. And, I and, was... and it kind of feels like last year where Michigan dodged a hot Wisconsin team and got Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game because mm-hmm. of a late win in the season. Uh, it wasn't in Minnesota over Wisconsin last year that did that. So props to Nebraska for taking out Iowa and then Purdue getting it done. I mean, I, yeah. going into this weekend, I did not want to have a rematch with either of those West teams. Iowa, because it would just be so <laughs> dull. And then Illinois, because I thought, like, of all the teams in the West, they were the ones that had by far the best shot of actually knocking Michigan off. Yeah. I mean, I did not want to see Devin Witherspoon again. To go. You know, and then, I mean, they just have so many guys on that defensive line that they throw at you. I didn't, you know, it just, they're, they're, they're a good team. I was glad to see them win as well yesterday to kind of end their November on a good mark. They, they came they had three losses in a row, kind of took them out of contention. And that was sort of a bummer, but whatever. Oh, but can we talk about his tweet now? Sure. <laughs> yeah. well, they did have a game. So maybe we'll wait for, for that part. Actually, they I, did. No, wait, really... they played Northwestern. They, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 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 They played Northwestern. Go ahead. Oh, Bielema, he puts out a tweet. At first, it's just like he's retweeting the Big Ten announcing Michigan versus Purdue. And he's like, congratulations to both these teams. I would really like to have played them again on a neutral field with neutral officials. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy boy, you're never going to get neutral officials because Illinois doesn't deserve them. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that Illinois game in Illinois? 
the Purdue game. Yes, well, they got, it was. It was. They, they, they didn't get hosed on like a couple calls on the, in that game, but like, I mean, they got they got hosed more <laughs> I against. I, I agree, Seth. And I think some of those calls in, against Purdue were questionable, but all week I kept seeing highlights of the Illinois Michigan game, and it seemed like every person who was doing a highlight role was like, "Oh, and here's the pass interference that was questionable." Wasn't that an obvious pass interference? My gosh, he was holding one of his arms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that that was not oh, it, a questionable call at all, in my opinion. And what's really bothering Bielema is the OPI. Yeah. We go back to that fourth and nine, which it didn't end up mattering because one of their guards didn't get the snap count, and like their quarterback just had to run for it. But yeah. You know, before DeVito had to bail out of there, what play was it? On both sides, they were running pick routes. And on the right side, it was a pick route with a tight end smashing right into a cornerback. Like, very obvious OPI was the, the, the play. I think he was so mad because that was his plan for fourth and nine. And, like, and then Michigan wins on a fourth and three on that. So he's he's a little projection there from Burt. Well, in Illinois, honestly. Well, also, he's got to probably be feeling a little bit uh... – you know, ashamed of himself a little bit because you know he wouldn't have to. He wouldn't have had to made that tweet if they had just beaten Michigan State. Yeah, and in, home. in Illinois, they honestly got hosed more against Indiana. Remember yes, that touchdown yeah. at the start of the season? Yeah, way yeah. back in August. Yeah, was it yeah, still yeah. August back then? Uh, no, that was the that was week one. They played Wyoming oh. in week zero, so that was September. Oh, right. But I do want to throw one more thing out there, Northwestern. I don't know if this is a record or an historic achievement, but it feels like it has to be. They went 0-11 in the North American continent and 1-0 in Europe. I don't think, has that ever happened in college football? I don't know. I don't think so. All right, moving on to Nebraska 24, Iowa 17. This was a Black Friday game that set up Purdue's advancement to the Big Ten title game. Nebraska jumps out to a 17-0 lead, gets a huge play to Trey Palmer. Casey Thompson returns and it looks like, oh, well, this would have been a much more interesting Nebraska team to play. Spencer Petrus goes one of six before getting knocked out of the game. Alex Padilla comes in and answers the question, why is Spencer Petrus playing football? In front of Alex Padilla, 274 yards for Iowa. Nebraska does nothing on the ground, 329. But once it's 17-7, Iowa scores. Nebraska responds. Iowa gets a couple scores in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, they're just never coming back from a 17-point fourth quarter deficit. Yeah, this was – I feel like this was a karmic uh, result, you know, for the rest of us in the Big Ten. Yes. So we don't (laughs) force to watch Iowa play in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, because all their terrible offense that we've seen all year reared its ugly head in this game. Nebraska has a terrible defense. They allowed 414 yards per game coming into this game, 100th in the country. Iowa gained 274 yards, 202 of which came after they fell behind 24 to nothing. And they uh, only gained 42% of their available yards. Nebraska had been allowing 52% of their yards to be gained on the season is just just another in a long line of bad offensive performances from the Hawkeyes. And I got this from the athletic piece from uh, Scott Docterman. Iowa needs 354 yards in their bowl game in order to avoid being the worst total yardage team in the Big Ten since 1999. And that's currently held by the 2017 Rutgers team. Oh, my God. Which went for 262.7 yards per pop. I was at 255.4 right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of using total offense as, a, as an end-all stat, but, like, that's just too much. That that gives me reason to follow the Iowa Bowl team, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and 
getting back to the winners, yeah, Casey Thompson. Yeah, what a great game. Uh, 9.3 yards per drop back. That would have been in the that's 89th percentile, according to games on paper. Great game. Trey Palmer, nine catches on all nine targets, 165 yards. Sets a single-season record for Nebraska receiving. He can come back next year. Is he? No, he's already announced he's turning pro. Sorry, Nebraska. You can't have good things for too long. But I guess we could talk about Matt Rule. I mean, I'm in favor of that. I think that's going to be a good hire. It's yeah, it's an interesting I think it's one. A home run. Yeah, it's an I mean, interesting as, as one. As much as anything can be these days. I can't believe he would like. You know, he's he could sit on his rump and just make money uh, for the next four years. Yeah. And there's probably oh, some yeah. duty to offset in his contract. But <laughs> the uh, like, it's just boring. Like football coaches want to coach football. I mean, he had a lot of success at Baylor after Art Bryles like blew up, and I feel like. Of all the people out there uh, who can recruit to Lincoln and, and play well in Lincoln and somebody who was recruiting to Waco, Texas. Yeah. I, I'm not at questioning whether he's a good hire for them. Mm. It's a great hire for them. You just don't know why he well, wants to do yeah, it. Yeah, why do you want to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, so, man? So the one thing about Rule at, <clears throat> at Baylor was I believe he had zero ranked wins uh, over his time in Baylor. And mm-hmm. I heard that from some Nebraska people as a potential uh, – question mark about whether he can i think he's a good coach to get them to seven and five eight and four i don't know beyond that and then it'll be adjustment to the big 10 i did want to throw a couple of things about the nebraska iowa game out there jamie were you watching this the camera work at the end of the in the later stages of that game there was a scramble from padilla he heaves it downfield and the camera just stays on Padilla. <laughs> yeah. And the announcers are yelling, it's gone! Unbelievable! And we're still looking at Alex Padilla. Because <laughs> no one could believe that guy threw a complete it pass. Was, it, was, it was bizarre. And then, his reaction. And then Nebraska, they had Quentin Newsom, two balls thrown right to him by Padilla, and he dropped both of them. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska still got away with it and, and won the game. Yeah, we call those failed interceptions. <laughs> It's just a shame because uh, Casey Thompson had a, a good year when he was healthy. And in, a, and in a league where there were so many bad quarterbacks. Oh, God, yeah. And Palmer is like yeah. one of the three or four best receivers in the Big Ten. And they totally wasted that connection. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Like I, not as badly as Iowa wasted their defense, though. Yeah. Good Lord. No. All right. Um, and um, Cooper DeJean went out in this oh, yeah. game. Yeah. Yep. And his, his replacements gave up two long touchdowns to Palmer and fumbled a punt. Well, and Laporta didn't play either. Yep. I'm sorry? Laporta didn't play either. Right. Yeah, Laporta didn't play either. He went out He went out uh, in last week's game, right in the middle of it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, But Cooper DeJean went out in this game. Like, you know, he started and, and then got injured, so his replacements came in and just were not up, were not up to snuff. All right. Penn State 35, Michigan State 16. Penn State hops out to a 14-3 to halftime lead. They get a pass from Keon Lambert-Smith. To uh, I believe it was Theo Johnson for a touchdown. He's not the quarterback. Sean Clifford is the quarterback. Michigan State rushes for count them twenty five yards yeah. as they fail to reach bowl eligibility. I mean, I guess there are slots for uh, seven and five teams, but they prioritize based on APR. So tough luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Penn State gets to ten and two. Will be headed to some sort of New York's New Year's Six bowl. We'll be rooting for Ohio State to make the playoffs very badly because that will be the Rose Bowl if uh, that occurs. You know what uh, bowl game I'd like to see? I'd like to see Penn State play Washington. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, ten and two Washington versus ten and two Penn State. Maybe a Michael Penix versus Sean Clifford rematch. Yeah. Of the uh, twenty twenty opener. Remember the stretch to the pylon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Michael Penix has got to the finish line healthy. I feel like and, and slinging it around. In fact, this is so bizarre. But he's fifth right now in the Heisman Trophy odds. I mean, he's like Michael Penix to one. But hmm. wow. Well, Washington. Well, the Heisman Trophy odds are so fake right now. It's yeah. Caleb Williams, like minus five hundred. Right. And then everybody else has just. I mean, the 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 Penix odds. I said a billion to one. That's a joke. But it's it's like five hundred to one. Well, if, he's like fifth in line. If USC wins on Friday against Utah, Washington might be in the Rose Bowl, and yeah. then they would play Ohio State potentially in that one. So Penix could well, get a Big Ten to, rematch. I, mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't really Michael want Penix Ohio State game was pretty fun in twenty twenty. Yeah, well. I guess. I mean, like. Speaking as just a random Big Ten fan, whenever I see Washington play, I'm like really pulling for them <laughs> solely because of Michael Penix. And I think if they played Ohio State, the absolute aura of hatred directed at Ohio State from the rest of the league would be unprecedented. From the whole country. Yeah. I mean, the, you you underestimate how much Ohio State is despised outside well, of no, the West well, as well. I mean, honestly, it was amazing to see uh, the shutdown full cast people just go off on yeah. Twitter last night because um, a few weeks ago uh, – Spencer Hall wrote in his uh, Channel 6 thing about how he thinks Michigan is built to beat Ohio State and in his mm-hmm. inimitable fashion. He got just lacerated and was just like, oh, Ohio so when State you, fans are the worst. When you guarantee a win against Ohio State as a Michigan fan, people <laughs> people lacerate you on Twitter. I didn't know that, well, Brian. But like he's, he's just a guy who writes really fun stuff about really fun things. And like if you hate Spencer Hall, you got a problem. In your heart. As opposed to if you hate Seth Fisher? Come on. You're (laughs) – we are very hateable people, Seth, you and I. It is easy for people to despise us. Don't put me in your box. Oh, oh, Seth. I'm the likable one. (laughs) Oh, Seth. (laughs) I have bad news for you. Uh, We were talking about a football game before we did this. Jamie, Penn State, Michigan State. This – I want to throw this start before Jamie gets in here. This game – so Penn State's up a lot, and I had I flipped over from Purdue, Indiana, right? And I was like, I've had enough of that. And uh, watch <laughs> MSU, Penn State, and Penn State was up. weren't they up twenty one nothing at halftime or fourteen three? Fourteen three. Then they go up twenty one three, and then Michigan State starts clawing back, and you're watching mm-hmm. it, and they're doing the all jump ball offense. And there's one catch where Trey Mosley gets like twelve feet in the air, and it goes right over the corner. And I'm just like. Here we go again. Mel Tucker, one last uh, horseshoe, right? And mm-hmm. he's going to will them to bowl eligibility. And then Penn State goes down the opposite way. And the play that's been clipped on social media a lot is MSU. It's a fourth and two play, right, for Penn State inside the 10. Penn State comes out. They've got four receivers to the bottom of the screen. MSU has three DBs. Mm-hmm. And they don't get the timeout. And, you know, the announcer's just like, it's a dead touchdown. And they throw, and the guy walks in the end zone. And, like, how Tucker didn't get the timeout before they run that play just escapes me. Well, he wasn't in Columbus. (laughs) Yep. Jamie? Well, I mean, that was actually my highlight of the game, too. (laughs) As far as as making fun of Michigan State, uh, they're just a disorganized uh, mess uh, on on defense. They have been all season. It honestly doesn't surprise me that they were caught with their pants down in that situation. Um, I was actually giving them credit there. They were actually three DBs there. It wasn't like two DBs and a linebacker. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, but uh, I don't think Michigan State is any, I don't think they're, they've progressed any farther than they were in 2019 in D'Antonio's last year when we took a look at their roster and was like trouble. So I think well, that they're 
they're in. I think they're in for another long, long season unless something really changes with that roster. I mean, my take at the beginning of the season was transfer teams are not nearly as good as they look. Like pe- yeah. people are overrating Michigan State, people are overrating Nebraska, and like those well, it's hard to be consistent. I mean, you can you can catch some lightning in a bottle, but if you're relying on you know, that, and, and Michigan yeah. State is losing is going to lose some of their program guys on defense. Xavier Henderson, Jeff Slade, yeah. mm-hmm. so program guys are going out, and they might be leaning a little bit more on on, on the transfer guys that are that have stayed behind. Interesting. And they get Washington. They get Washington next year again. So they're they're going to have a really tough fight to go three and zero non conference. So does Penix have a COVID year he can take, or is this it for him? I mean, he's probably got a gazillion medical red yeah. years. I'd have to look. I'd have to look that up. But I tend to agree. Tend to agree with Seth that there's got to be an, a, an injury redshirt in there somewhere that he hasn't taken. Mm. Yeah, that, I, that is still available. Like, again, like how Ronnie did, Bell could still play next year if he wanted to because of the injury. He did tend to get injured like right after he expired his ability to take a medical oh, redshirt. Right. Like that's he would right. get into like the you know the first drive of game six and get hurt. So I don't that's know. Right. We'll have to I'll have to that's check right. that. But I, I love the way Kalen DeBoer's got that program rolling. So I expect I expect them to be really good next year again. All right, uh, Minnesota 23, Wisconsin 16, probably the most thrilling game of the week because Michigan-Ohio State was a blowout. Uh, Minnesota (laughs) scores a go-ahead touchdown with 340 left. Graham Mertz gets knocked out of the game. Chase Wolf comes in, gets him down to the five after a pass interference, but Wisconsin takes a couple penalties and can't punch it in. Um, I mean, this is the third win in five years for Minnesota. They retain the axe after losing 14 straight to the Badgers. Um, you know, Minnesota, I mean, they're eight and four. I mean, PJ Flex rowing the boat. You gotta wonder what happens with them next year with Mo Ibrahim gone. Uh, and then the big news out of Wisconsin is that Jim Leonard is not getting that job. Yeah. It is going to Fleck. No, not Fleck. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Fickle. 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 Luke Fickle is the Cincinnati head coach, which is an interesting move. Um, especially after wasn't the Notre Dame job his for the taking? Well, what happened was they lost their court, they lost their coach right at the end of like, oh, the and they couldn't because of the playoff, right? Yeah, so yeah. like they had to like go to Marcus Freeman, otherwise their whole class and their playoff would just fall apart. Yeah, they, they couldn't wait. They loved the way he blew a massive lead in the bowl game, and they just kept <laughs> Marcus Freeman around. I mean, he is a very attractive man. <laughs> he recruits well. I mean, I I sort of I kind of give Wisconsin credit for this. I mean, I'm a Jim Leonard fan. I think he would have done a fine job at Wisconsin, but this just sort of signals that. They're just trying to shake things up. They realize that the Big Ten West is only going to be around for another year and that they need some new blood in the program. Um, and I think this has two questions. One, where does Jim Leonard go? I mean, does he stay? If Ryan, Walter, if Ryan Walters gets scooped up at a G5 job, Illinois should hire him. Or maybe Matt Rule's first hire at Nebraska. Leonard would be nope. a good candidate for Cincy. He's young yeah. and you just I mean, swap him. Yeah. Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of swapping, you know, Wisconsin is probably going to hit the portal for a quarterback anyway, and I wonder if Fickle would bring Evan Prater with him. That was the big-time quarterback recruit that he brought into Cincinnati. I'm not entirely sold on him, but, you know, this is a program that's going to hit the portal anyway. You know, maybe, maybe they just go quarterback-coach together. That might be a little more difficult than they think, because Wisconsin, I believe, has some of the same issues that Michigan has with the portal. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they have a admissions uh, group that it operates independently from the rest of the school and actually really does care about the academic careers of the kids coming in, which puts a little damper on your transfer abilities. Yeah, mm. definitely. Definitely. And I mean, 
I would, and you would also think that, you know, an internal hire like Jim Leonard could kind of soothe things over in that regard, but a newcomer might not be able to. So I see where you're coming from. I, I do want to get one thing in here for Brian. Uh, I just saw this on Twitter. Do you want to know who the interim coach at Cincinnati is? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Go for it. No. Kerry Coombs. Oh! <laughs> oh. I don't know who Cincinnati is going to play in this year's Birmingham Bowl, but I know who I'm betting. <laughs> oh, so do we have anything about, like, the rest of this game or do we the well, I, I do i do want to go back to the sequence you highlighted at the top first and goal at the five with a chance to tie the game you said a couple penalties they took four penalties <laughs> they took four penalties they took two penalties before they could get the first down off and then they took two more penalties before they could get the second down off and they went from first and goal at the five to second and goal at the 30 good lord like 25 seconds to go I'm wondering if that's the moment they decided, yeah, yeah, let's do fickle. <laughs> let's do fickle. <laughs> well, the one thing I saw on Twitter uh, from this game that I enjoyed is uh, Brevin Span Ford catching a pass and the announcer calling him Brevin Spam Ford, Sp- Ford Spam Ford Spam Ford. Kind of like, like me when I get going on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not the person who does the worst job of pronouncing pronouncing great pronouncing things uh all right do we have anything on maryland 37 rutgers zero or illinois 41 northwestern three no good we highlighted belima's tweet that was the most important thing of the uh illinois game and i don't really think there's anything important in the maryland game i mean uh i mean although Gap- you know although although you know you know if ohio state ever wants to make a move i, I think what greg shannon's done at rutgers has been great <laughs> I mean, I think he's really improved I, their competitive I don't fire. think he. I don't think he has a single friend in the state of Ohio anymore. <laughs> I don't think he has a single and friend. And Ryan anymore. Day does. Uh, that's true. Ryan Day is not going to have a steakhouse where he can feel up young women anytime soon. Boy, that could be the quote too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie. Thanks for a great year. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. It was fun as always. I appreciate it. Yeah. Listen to the MGO podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook, David Nasternak, and Alex Drain. Now, there are two guys in town who've made good on a guaranteed win in Columbus. And that, Ryan, is why I'm the likable one. Who's got it better?